tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. Emma is producing uh, the programme. Coming up on the show today, three quarters of the public believe uh, assisted dying should be permitted in cases where people have a life-limiting or terminal illness. An Irish Daily Mail poll has revealed. We'll be talking about that in just a few moments' time. We hear from listeners on asylum seekers, dear Phil Letters, and the cost of hospital consultations. A Wexford pub apologises amid a massive backlash uh, after a musician was told not to play uh, rebel songs. We'll be speaking to the musician in question. We have our health slot with uh, Muriel Cuddy. We have a taste of this week's Down Your Way and indeed farming news with uh, Katrina Morrissey as well. We'll also play the Tip FM match three game during the show. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, the Irish Daily Mail is leading with that story I made reference to there. The three and four support assisted dying to the Irish Examiner. And right across the newspaper today, coverage of what's been happening in Gaza. The Examiner tells us that a heavily pregnant woman and a one-year-old were among 23 Irish citizens evacuated from Gaza and they are among the first group uh, which also included families and other children to leave Gaza uh, through the Rafah border into Egypt. Also on the examiner today, inflation has driven Cork City's annual boundary compensation uh, payment to over 15 million a figure which is no longer sustainable, the County Council's Chief Executive has said. The Irish Independent and RTE is making the headlines once again. And uh, their story is that uh, RTE stars hit by the €250,000 pay cap will be able to get more money per day for working less. Joe Duffy, Claire Byrne and Miriam O'Callaghan are currently on salaries above that uh, limit. And the Director General says that stars above the cap may be able to negotiate to work fewer days. They'd be paid more per day, but they keep their salary under 250,000. What a lot of nonsense. Um, the Irish Times, and again, it's a Gaza story, and uh, again, it's about the first Irish citizens to escape from Gaza since war erupted there a month ago, across into uh, Egypt yesterday amid hopes that more will be uh, able to come in the uh, coming days. And also on the Times today, uh, weak exports from the multinational sector will result in uh, the Irish economy contracting this year for the first time in more than a decade. And that's according to forecasts published by the European Commission yesterday. So that's uh, the headlines today. If you want to make comment on any of that, uh, 083 Three double one double three double one. Now I'm glad to be joined uh, first off this morning by Finnegal Councillor in Clan Mill, John Fitzgerald. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, and thank you for taking our call first thing, John. But you do have some uh, breaking news for us, where the Clan Mill Arms site is concerned. Yeah, anyone that will be driving into Clan Mill this morning, in around the town, or heading to the schools uh, at this hour of the morning, uh, won't. Not, we'll, 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 couldn't be helped but notice that there's an awful lot of activity 
down at the site of the former Clonalarm Hotel. And why that is, is that uh, the uh, safety measures that had been uh, paramount in Clonmel Borough Council's uh, agenda in recent months about the safety of the building are taking place down there this morning. The entire site has been enclosed, boarded up properly, but also safety measures to ensure that no debris or anything falls, you know, things coming from the building aren't going to happen anymore because there's developers on site there now and uh, contracts have been signed by both parties for the sale of the of the building and the site itself and we're under new management to put it in hotel, uh, if you were to take a cliche from a hotel situation so it's a game changer really friend, for Clonmel, for the town centre uh, tonight and later this evening, there's a big meeting and a conversation taking place at the Talbot Hotel in the town uh, where we hope there'll be big crowds that will come along and talk about future infrastructural change to the town. But this, for this to happen on the same morning as, as that meeting is fantastic news because it, it means now that it's really happening. The Town Alarms Hotel is going to change, is changing hands and new development will take place there of a new hotel property and at the turn of the year demolition of the existing building uh, with cognizant to the protected portions of it being retained will be happening so i can't contain myself with joy about mm. this because uh, and, uh, and and you know what in spite of our great friendship i know when we spoke about this in the past i knew you were even a little bit i'd say and a journalist people onlookers spectators were saying is it really happening but I couldn't say it's very delicate when you're when you're selling. I suppose my training as an agent also has taught, taught me that you don't give out information sure. about yeah. things that are contractual. And even though as a, as a, as a counsellor you'd be busting to say it, mm. I didn't say anything about this as it was going through the hoops because God, there's always another uh, thing that has to be ironed out. And in fairness to the new new the new owners and to the vendor, um, they they have ironed mm. out most of them. And there's still little hoops to be jumped, don't you know? But look, it's happening. There's of course, the, 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 and, and it's, it's all very, very good news. I, I don't mean to in the least throw water on that, but there's been so, that, so, so many false well, dawns, I suppose, John, over yeah. the years where that no, site is course, concerned. And yeah. you were right. Like, I mean, mm. You were right, because that's what you must do as a... Mm. As a uh, you know, in your position. So, yeah, look, that, and I knew, but I was I was even more anxious to give you more information at the time, but you can't give out the information because apart from a, 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 the confidentiality of a sale agreement, um, there's 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 always there's yes. always things that can trip you up and there's senses to be jumped, but it's great. And it's great particularly today, as I said already, this meeting is happening in the call tonight where business people and, and members of the public, everybody will be going along to talk about mm. what's been going on in dereliction. We've spoken about marketplace before, but this this is a very big site. This fronts onto O'Connell Street, the Keys, the whole of Sarsfield Street. So it's it's a fair chunk of the town centre that will will be will be addressed in one fell swoop here because it's all in one. And and just for clarity, what's happening today and in the coming weeks is it's securing the site from a safety point of view. Exactly. Am I, uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, what would you know? I suppose what would routinely happen in conjunction with when 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 a site is that big and it's so urbanised, mm. um, the new owners would be in consultation with the local authority and have been for months now. And uh, the local authority have public safety and public, you know, concerns regarding a site that has become derelict. So in spite of the fact that the sale process was going through and the legalities were going through, Connell Borough Council had to be cognizant of agent issues down there and 
things things to do with the building that were of a, of a danger to the public. So in conjunction with all the parties, uh, they have now gone onto the site today to, with the new with the new people doing the work yes. on the, to make it and uh, and then going out and redeveloping it fully. I presume in the, you know in the next in the next it, we'll see changes as the weeks progress now heading on to Christmas and into the new year. Very, very good. And, uh, you know, I mean, let's be positive and let's speculate. The difference to O'Connell Street, the difference to the centre of the town, if you had an up-and-running successful hotel, would be what, John? Listen, I, I can't I'm, uh, I, I can't tell you how much it would make a difference. Like, I mean, there's not a... For a town of our size, uh, not... We, we had Hearn's Hotel, but and we have the Talbot Hotel and Hotel Manila. They're all fine businesses. Mm. And do, do, but right smack in the centre of the Carmel Arms was always a heartbeat there in the years ago. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm old enough to remember you are, mm. to remember gigs there, nights there, dances there, socials there. Weddings, uh, yeah, of course. I yeah. used to hold auctions in there, things like that. The bar, mm. the Carberry, the Petted family and what they, what they, uh, how good they were at the mm. hotel business over many decades. So, there was there was always that in a town our size, there should be a hotel that size in back in the centre, mm. and we're going to get that back now because uh, it, the good news altogether is that we you know it'll be locals will be redeveloping this, and they, they they know the one beauty of locals developing something is that they actually know what the public need locally, yeah. and um, yeah. the, the the they're going to put in place a new a new facility there. It won't be. You know, it won't be a case of, uh, you know, nostalgia would say, will, will we be back in the paddock bar and all these things? That <laughs> I remember it so well, it'll yeah. Be, it's, yeah. It's, it's, never, it's never the same again, but uh, it'll, be, it'll be for the new generations and uh, it'll be wonderful. And I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon with this uh, development this morning. I was down on the site there at 8 o'clock and uh, I spoke to, you know, members of Clamell Borough, mm. you know, the professionals working on it by Clamell Borough Council, engineering staff and so on, spoke to the development staff. And uh, I think, uh, you know, even to see, you know, Fran, if the, even to see the activity is fantastic. You know, to see that a place has been attacked and... Uh, uh, that's exactly what's going on. Well, it's 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 good news for sure, John. And needless to say, we'll be following the story. But we appreciate you coming on this morning, John. And thanks, thanks very much indeed. Thank you, thanks. thank you, bye bye, you now. That is Finnegoyle councillor in Clonmel, John Fitzgerald, with that news, uh, the latest news indeed on the Clonmel Arms uh, site. Now we've been discussing how TDs have been called upon to lobby the government to stop all new arrivals of refugees and international protection applicants into the country and it's generated lots of conversation and lots of commentary indeed from our listeners as well. Tom joins me now. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Fran. Morning uh, to all do, do I gather, Tom, from your correspondence with us that you think that this is a, a little late, that this should have been discussed yes. over a year ago? Yes, Fran, it is. And I've listened to your programme every morning. And not one politician says, Christ, we lost Sorry for Christmas. Christ, we lost it. We, we, we should have headed off this 18 months ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, Fran? They're all jumping in now. Matty led the posse, fair play to them, our own Matty. And now they're all jumping in because they realise the consequences 
of an election coming up and a lot of people are furious over what's going on. And why do you think they're so late to the party on this? I mean, all the polls over the last year would have told them that by far the majority of Irish people, right-thinking, decent people, figure that, you know, there should be a cap on numbers and we have to be realistic about our capacity, Tom. Exactly, Fran. And another thing, Michael Michael Lowry yesterday, he mentioned disturbances in Rosbray mm. and he didn't relate to the actual the actual fact of how the disturbances started. He, he kind of avoided the question. It wasn't local to the people. Some of the people were brought in the staff to the well, what you there, see, you we're know. not sh- uh, we're not really sure about that, Tom. I was looking at some of the videos, and certainly is a mix of people that were involved in it. So we're but not. You see, that's the, that's the complaint, complacency, mm. because they're hiding it. Oh, gee, we won't stand about that now. We won't stand about this. They'd be better off if they were up front and say, right, blah blah blah. A and B has happened. We have to write a fight now, even as late as it is. And, and I'm not I'm not crucifying everybody. A lot of them are good people, as I've often said. But a lot of them got in because I was sleeping under the letterbox without even having a stamp in your envelope, like. And a lot of people got into this country and they weren't even vested. You know what I'm saying? And, and Tom, in your circle of friends and the people you might have a drink with or whatever, are, mm-hmm. are they of the same mind as you about this? Yes, they are. This is what I'm going to tell you. Yes, they yeah. are. And the, these are people, them. Tom, with no agenda, you know... No, De- these are de- decent, decent, decent people who, yes. yeah, who, who are disturbed by the fact that the, the the basic way of life, even for our women folk and for our people going around, everybody's on edge now, and they don't know why, but they are on edge, and that has been told in many a story. They don't feel safe walking around, even in Bavaria, Tallis, or Sevilbor, or San Melo, wherever. They're looking over their shoulder everywhere they go now. And that's not a frightening exercise for me. It's the fact that I've, I've asked a lot of people about. And why do you think that that conversation isn't as upfront as it should be, particularly where media is concerned, Tom? Well, you're the only one, Fran, that ever, ever brought it to the surface. RTE and all the big, the big cats up in Dublin and all never brought this to the surface because that's why Tip FM, and I'm not patronising your Tiff FM deserve great praise because you brought it to the surface and, and uh, you know what I mean? You didn't insult anybody, you didn't say anything bad about anybody, but it simmered like a, a rice pudding coming to the boil, if you know what I mean. You and, understand me? And what? where from here then, Tom? I mean, you know, we are yeah, where well, we are with, with large numbers of people in that we can't look after properly. You know, the services exactly. aren't there for them. Um, exactly. What, where, exactly. where, where do we go from here, do you think? Well, I don't know. There'll have to be a complete reversal. There'll have to be a reversal somewhere. Well, was the Irish government trying to accommodate the EC or something that all this happened? You know, under a certain treaty, we were not obliged to take in so many people. Mm. We might have been obliged to take some, but not what we have. It's going to be on the joke. And you know what maddened me the other day? What's that? They hear that the people are taking their holidays back in their home country and coming back here and living it up and getting more benefits than what the people here are getting that deserve them. And what, what are you making of that? What I'm making of that is that there's, there's, a, there's a political escapism for the people who have their eye on Brussels and their eye on Luxembourg and their eye on Strasbourg and all to get the top jobs when they come, when the, when the, when the election filters out if there's failures of the elect, elections here. 
for these people. So, do you, yeah, so you think they're making decisions on what's happening in this country based on their future employment yes. somewhere, is it? Yes, that they are not That thinking. would be very cynical of them, Tom. That it would be... cynical of them, but they're not thinking of the ordinary Joe Stoff like me on the side of the road trying to live and, you know, get on with life and kind of... They're not listening to us. I never met such a government. And, and the man, you had a man on yesterday morning and he said the same thing, that not listening to the people who elect them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think this is going to be a big discussion in, in upcoming elections, Tom? How important is this going, going to, to be? Severe, it's going to have severe consequences, I can tell you, because the people who are snogging their seats and sitting on their fat backsides and, 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 and offices and all, they are going to get a rude awakening. I can tell you that. If it's too late now even to change it. But if they're going to get a rude awakening, I can see it happen. Right, but even to, to vote for the, the major opposition party, Sinn Féin, I mean, their thoughts on how we look after asylum seekers and refugees would, would be very similar. I mean, they're, they're not calling for any cap on numbers. Or... They're not calling for any cap on numbers because I don't mean to be disrespectful. They're standing on the middle of the white line to see which way the, 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 the most will swing, or the bell will swing, if you know what I mean. So they're moving they're to the centre, you think, to gain... Yes, and they're numbers. waiting to see what's going to happen. Mm. And they'll have their... Re, re, what would you call it? Their homework done, their everything, their research done and all, and then they'll swing the way they think to go for them. And I'm not against whenever I have these conversations, Tom, I'm always to point out, and I'm at pains to point out, the people you you feel you might be even representing this morning. These aren't people who are racist. They're not right wing no people. No. They have no political agenda. They're they're no. just expressing their own worries and their own fears. Is that fair to and say? No, Tom? no way. They're just expressing their fears. Yeah, and and uh, and they're. I suppose that, 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 that what's going to happen in the next 10, 20 years when our children are grown up and we're trying to get them through life and the usual, you know? A lot of people have gone to Australia and all, yeah. and they're, they're abandoning ship because of all this carry-on. Mm. They have wages at all. And, and finally, Tom, what do you say to the argument? Because I hear this all the, 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 the time. The Irish went all over the world when we yes. when we were poverty-stricken here and when we yes. needed work and stuff and we yes. were accepted into other countries. What do you say to that argument, Tom? I, what I say to that is when the Irish went abroad and in France, I'd say, you know a good few because you've travelled with your music and everything. Yeah. They yeah. walked. They fell into society and they they done what was right. But these are just there standing on corners looking around everywhere. I'm talking about the migrants or immigrants, whatever you call them. And the next thing, they're there and nothing in their head, only development. And there's a lot of unreported incidents around that that, that, that went on, and they were kept under in case that they'd be, uh, oh, Jesus, what are we after doing, you know, what is going to happen at the elections? That's what I can say. All right, Tom, we appreciate your time this morning. Good to talk to you, Tom. Uh, Fran, Fran, don't go yet. Okay, Tom. I have another issue. that My neighbour, Anne, Marie here in Lestrone, pointed out a good point about a, a bus shelter. That's, okay? that's that's right, yes. Yeah, there's another dangerous aspect here. There's a level crossing here and my God, you should see the speed they come through this road now. And, and I, there's one where my wife was going across the road one day and she on a phone and went straight through the thing and only for my wife, the fact that she's been carried down to McGrath, oh down my, to the other side. Oh my God, oh my God. And so, 
So what, what is needed there, Tom? Are we talking about lights or what, what are we talking about? What's needed there is, and I bet you Siobhan Ambrose would agree with me, is cameras on them pose an advanced warning sign. Minimum, maximum speed, sorry, 20 kilometers per hour. So if somebody did go across from one spot, at least the motors could be able to pull up in time, you know. But they just go up and down. And they never never observe the pedestrian cross. All right, well, let's, exactly. let's put that out there then, Tom, that that's what's going But do you think an accident is going to happen there unless oh, something is... Mark my words. I said it at a commission meeting here some three years ago. I said, for God's sake, put up flashing signs because they're way above their heads that they can warn them that there's some... Because people are not paying attention to their driving. They just pass through the same as a bullet from a gun. That's the second issue I had. All right, Tom. Well, thanks so much for, for raising that issue as well this morning. Good to yeah. talk to you, Tom. All right, friend. Thank you, thank okay. you, and my best to everybody right. there in lovely Lisrona as well. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is only 3311-3311. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie uh, Councillor Jamie Morris was on to say I've been calling out uh, this government on their recklessness for a long time now when it wasn't popular. Uh, to do so, and in fairness, that's that's uh, that is true because he would have done it on this program a number of times over the last uh, couple of years. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. The text and WhatsApp is only three three double one double three double one. Let's stay with uh, asylum seekers and refugees now. And Willie joins me. Good morning to you, Willie. Morning, friend. You're making a, a very valid and important point uh, that there's aspects of immigration that we badly need in this country, Willie. Yeah. Well, Fran, I'm listening to some of the conversation on and off there over the last few days even, and a mixture of bemusement and and amazement at some of the, I don't know, bewilderment, the Walter Mitty element that seems to be out there. I mean, do we not know, are we not aware, have we any semblance of awareness that we are so dependent on foreign immigrant labour in this country at this stage? We are what England were 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago when Ireland were going over, providing the cheap labour. We are what America is now, where they have to have Mexicans over the border or they won't have food on the table. That's where we are now, Frank, as a, as a developed, relatively wealthy country within Western Europe. And we don't seem to have the slightest clue about it. Not a notion. And is there not a big difference, uh, Willie, between what you're talking about and what is the substance of what we've been discussing during the week? I mean, I agree with you. We need nurses and we need nurses from other countries. We need doctors from other countries. We need hospitality workers from other countries. But right throughout the week, we've been referencing people who are coming in here that we don't have anything for them to do at all. And they're hanging around and we have such huge numbers that we can't cope. See, Fern, we're we're beginning to see this maybe down the country now, whereas they were coming in for years, but it was Dublin and it was the major urban areas. But those places, I suppose, the low-hanging fruit for accommodation there is gone at this stage. It, it's just reached capacity, if you want to put it that way. And because it's filtering down into the, the prairies and the leashes and the counties that are which wouldn't have seen it, it's only becoming an issue now. But this has been... People have been coming in. Now, there are two separate issues here, Fran, and I totally agree with the last caller and with, with Jamie Morris, people like him, where they're talking about vetting. 
I've been in and out of America numerous times in various other countries, and if there was a tick behind your name mm-hmm. that you were in, you know, you had a record or this, yeah, that, or the you other, sent you home. wouldn't set foot. You yeah. wouldn't set foot outside the airport. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. And I think we have been badly, badly let down that that's not absolutely enforced. I mean, the era we're in today, the keyboard, a few clicks on a keyboard and someone's live story is in front of you. It's mm. not like you have to take weeks to check it out and write to some immigration body in some other country to get find out about so-and-so. That's all a click of the finger now. And we have this issue about people coming in with no documentation. They had the documentation to get on the plane at the other side, and if they haven't now, it should be turned around, put in a holding pen, whatever it is, and out you go. But basically, that was largely what people were saying during the week, Willie. But that's that's what's needed, friend. But that's gone. It's gone way beyond that. It's way beyond that. There's an ugliness and an absolute coarseness to it, and it's an anti anti foreigner, anti immigration, anti anyone that doesn't look like us, talk like us. That's what it has become. I, I think that's not you know, fair. For the majority of people who have concerns and fears, I don't think that's fair, Willie. I don't agree with you, friend, because we have bred a brand of politician who, who and they want to see where the bandwagon is going. And we're a year out or whatever it is from an election, and now they've realised, well, that's where the bandwagon is going. That's where I need to find my horse now, so I'm on board that. And they're feeding that, they're feeding into that culture of fear and they want to propagate it and they want to be the man or the woman that's championing that. Whereas if they provided a bit of leadership, God love, you know, it's a scarce commodity at times but it's it's bandwagon stuff Brian, as far as I can see from a lot of them. And uh, there could well be a good element of that there, Willie, but it doesn't take from the facts that imposing hundreds and hundreds of people into a community where there's already scarce resources is going to cause issues. Well, friend, I mean, we have this issue when people trot out this line, Ireland is full, Ireland is full. Ireland, friend, is one of the sparsest populated countries in Western Europe. Mm. That's a fact. Mm. Our nearest neighbour, and, and, and if you look at a map, in terms of landmass, the UK is, is, is about one and a half, maybe two times the size of the landmass of Ireland. So look at the relative populations. I mean, I saw it trotted out there on something... If, if we were populated to the same density level of the UK, there'd be 30 million people living here. As it is, north and south as a whole were about six. That's how sparsely populated Ireland is I know, and, relative to and the and norm across And Europe. it's a very interesting argument, except that we have the infrastructure for five million people. We have the resources, mm-hmm. barely, for five million people. So, like, we, we it is a capacity issue, Willie. It's a fair point, friend. But we have we have a culture where people think, well, I'll object to this, I'll object to that. I'm all right, Jack. I have my house. I'll object to you and me and anyone else. I mean, the last man we ever saw, Tom was talking, he made some valid points, but he's talking about voting for this or voting for that. The main opposition parties, friend, across the board hold the record for objecting to to planning development after housing development Everything. They hold a record. You're talking about right Sinn there, largely. The, yeah. the yeah. whole lot. The mm. whole lot. The PPB mm. and the, the alphabet mm. soup. The rest so of the what is that? Is that not in my backyard sort of stuff, is it? Absolutely. Absolutely, Fran. 
They're on record objecting to social housing developments in their own constituencies because the well-off and the well-heeled, oh, I don't want social housing near me, I don't want my property values run down, blah, blah, blah. And they tow the line and they go along and yet they stand up on their hind legs in the doll and everywhere else and they're bleeding hearts about, about oh, housing, housing, housing. After, after objecting. At every hand's turn. Yeah, but not every objection to a uh, housing development is sort of, you know, that cynical. I mean, sometimes you, you're entitled to object if something is not going to enhance or add to an area in some way, are you not? I agree with you, Fran, but it should be at a cost. You should have to put down a deposit or something seriously to root out the cranks. I mean, I see my own hometown, Templemore. And I'm not going to name any names, but we have three or four people in there and everybody knows who they are. And it's a pastime for them. It is literally a pastime for them objecting to stuff. And everybody knows it. And it's entertained and on and on it goes. Yeah, and but, if you wanted to put up a doghouse, they're down in, first thing in the morning I mean, looking at it. What, however you might view that in a democracy, they're perfectly entitled to do that. And with our current laws and legislation, they're perfectly entitled to, to do that. But getting back to the, the main issue... I mean, if if you if I was to tell you in the morning that into lovely Temple Moor we're going to have three hundred extra people, um, single men living in a couple of houses there or or so, some 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 place there, what what would you make of that? Because already there's issues in Temple Moor with GPs, with with banking services, with all of these with the post office, all of these kind of things. So how would you deal with that in your backyard, Willie? It's a valid question, Fran, and we already have it. I mean, some of the convent has been has been. Now, it's not those kind of numbers, I grant you, but that's you're, you're exaggerating the thing now, Fran, to create this fear element well, as well. Well, I'm not because in in the village near no, me in Dundrum, there's there's been almost three hundred people put into to accommodation, you know, within a mile of the village. So mm-hmm. but that's I, the old the old hotel down yeah. there. Yeah, and it? I mean, if you yeah. see what's happening in Rossgrave, the kind of numbers there into into the mm-hmm. town. So I'm not, I'm not exaggerating in the least, Willie. I mean, the possibility is that if a premises was made available, there could be huge numbers imposed on you. I don't think you're going to see those kind of numbers. Now, the hotel in Dundrum is a unique... A yeah, unique well, again, we don't want to get specific about, uh, about uh, you know, premises mm-hmm. or whatever, but you do take my point. I do, Fran, and look, it's, it's, it's about... This is, this is the point I'd make, not in, in opposition to it, but... The culture of fear is drummed up around it that these people are the bogeyman and we'll be all dead in our beds if they come into the community. I don't I mean, think that, that's. I don't think that's that fair. kind of culture is be, is being propagated by people who want to feed on that. I, I don't you think that's fair. And it. somebody made a lovely point, in fact, and they said that look, if a hundred single men arrived in from Dublin. Dubliners. Mm. If a hundred single men arrived into a town, were accommodated in a town, given very little to do we'd still find that intimidating if they were hanging around corners out. Do you know, I, I mean, I'm not adding to fear, I'm just stating it the way it is. Mm-hmm. Well, fear sometimes is irrational, Fran. I mean, does anyone ever speak to them or does anyone ever, any community group reach out to them but sometimes? You, but you're dead right, Willie. There's there's nothing for them. There seems to be no consultation with them because there's no middleman to deal with. They're just mm-hmm. abandoned to these places. That's, that's mm-hmm. certainly the sense I'm getting from it. Well, I, I do accept what you're saying, man, but that works both ways. I mean, we've reached a point where the very notion, if you were to open consultation with any community, the first thing you would have is the anti, oh, geez, no, they're not coming here, brigade. 
they'd be out in the morning before you'd even have a chance to open your mouth or sit down and talk about the thing. And I, I agree with you, I agree with you. The authorities are getting it wrong in places where it's kind of been done at the 11th hour and they're presenting this face of complete, this is the building, that's where they're going. But they are faced with a situation where if they were to speak about it, the first thing they'd have is an anti, they're not coming in here brigade before they, before you'd be even before you could even open a talk with them. And in a democracy, if that is the wishes of the people? Well, <laughs> you, you'll be sometimes worried, Fran, about what a democracy throws up. I mean, the, the, wish, the wishes of the people have thrown up some dictators around the world in, number, in, in numerous cases. And people were, were very sorry about it afterwards when they saw what they did put into power. I mean, look around it. We, we needn't look any farther than the Boris Johnsons and, and the Trumps of this world, what they did put into power when they thought they were getting something else. All right, Willie. Well, I'm glad you're certainly providing an opposition in this uh, discussion and always welcome. And uh, thanks very much, Willie, for coming on with me today. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Good, good morning to you. 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Three quarters of the public believe assisted dying should be permitted in cases where people have a life-limiting or terminal illness. That's according to an Irish Daily Mail poll just published uh, today. One of our listeners, Dave, joins me now. Dave, good morning to you. Good morning, Dave. How's tricks? Uh, very, very good indeed, Dave. I thought I lost you there for a moment. You're in an ideal position to to chat to us about this because God mm. knows you, you you've seen issues in in your own life, Dave. What what are you making of this poll? The assisted dying thing. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, I know. I I think myself personally, if I was in that position, I I once upon a time I would have said I would have done it. You know, I would have, I would have availed of the service if it was there. But a lot of people, I, people I, I hold very dear, have have passed away through illness and stuff. And I kind of think myself personally, I think, well, you know, if if they went out with, you know, that amount of, um, how would you say, poise and and you know, dignity that you from just for me personally, I think I'd be taking the easy way out. No, that's just me. Personally, I am a, a, a staunch supporter of assisted dying if there are certain, how would you say, safeguards in place. Like, obviously, you know, not just because you're elderly, mm. um, if a person has special needs and are not fully copus mentis, obviously, you know, that kind of way. Like, basically, what everything Canada is doing, we do the opposite. Do you get me? You mm. know, like... Mm. Yeah, as well, like, I, I also firmly believe that, like, if we were to bring it in, it has to be done by a referendum. Even, and I know the, the Attorney General said, well, we don't really need to bring it in. This, you know, it's not necessarily in the Constitution, you know. Yes, the, so the, a referendum is, is a necessary, really, for it. It's, yes. it's just such an emotive mm. topic that, like abortion, like divorce, let the people have their say. You know, because as well, if you're trying to get people on your side and to come around to your way of thinking, if you are a supporter of it, letting the state just railroad through laws like that, you're not really, you're, you're kind of shooting your own argument in the foot, really. 
you know. Yeah, and you see, over the years, we've seen some really tragic cases, as you know, Dave, and and people in in the situation, I suppose, of being terminally ill, making the point that they would like to have the option. But, you know, extreme cases maybe doesn't make good law, if you know what I mean. It it doesn't, but I just kind of, like, I know people say that, like, um, you're, you're devaluing life by, you know, uh, like bringing in stuff like this and allowing stuff like this to die. But I, I kind of have the opposite view, really. I think that you're actually valuing a person's life and you're you're valuing their wishes. Like, it's not like we're saying a person's going to get to a certain point and a doctor's going to come into a room with a syringe and stick it in their neck, you know? Mm, like, yes. the person himself has to make, like, say, like a living will, so to speak. You know what I mean? They have to be able to say, you know, let me get to a certain point and then end my suffering. Yes. You know, I mean, you had that poor lady with MS that was campaigning for for years. Yes. You know, mm. and, like, I don't really think it's fair for anyone, whether you're, you know, whether your your views on it be religious or, you, or if you're a judge or, you know, if you're a policymaker or something, I don't really think it's fair someone who has no idea the pain and suffering you go through on a daily basis. Because it's not like you wake up one day and they're like, oh, I feel okay today. And then they wake up the next day and they're like, I feel kind of bad. It's constant suffering that's only going to get worse. You know, it's not mm. It's not going to get better. And I know you, you'll hear some people throw out this thing, well, oh, I know of a guy, he was in stage four cancer and he went into remission. And it does happen. But cases like that, are, are they're, they're in the extreme minority. You know, like one, one of the dangers is, and uh, you alluded to it yourself earlier on, I suppose, is that somebody might be coerced into this in some way, or they might feel that they're a burden on their family, so therefore they might choose. Yeah, oh, no, exactly. Or, I mean, look, we, we all have heard stories or know of people or know of families where somebody was looking for the farm or someone was looking for the house or looking for a bit of land and... There was a lot of skullduggery went on in the end for them to get it. And that is a genuine concern. That's why, like, I mean, like, if we were asked to vote on it, say, like, I, I genuinely believe a referendum on this is coming down the line in maybe a couple of years. But if I was to, like, look through, say, they're like, right, here's the proposals, here's the criteria I have to meet. If I, if even though I support it, if I didn't feel that it was ironclad enough, I'd vote against it. Right. You know, and I mean, there are countries out there where they've had assisted dying for a lot, you know, a, a lot longer than, than countries that are adopting it now. And it, like, I know that's like, say, what they call like the slippery slope argument. And the evidence isn't there to support it because in a lot of these places, you have to have a terminal illness. You have to make the decision yourself. You can't just be, you know, it can't just be like an elderly mother or father beat into an office with someone and said, here, sign that dotted line, mm. you know. Like, there had to be stringent um, protocols in place. So, before... you, you, whatever bill is produced, then you would read into that in great detail before you'd make up your mind if, if, oh, if a vote was. Because yeah. I think there didn't some... Um, some letter from people before profit. I think he he brought out. Did he did they bring out their own kind of bill about it? I'm not sure it, about that now, Dave. Yeah. I, I I think I was reading some letter well, mm. before, and it wasn't it it wasn't half as as um, ironclad, say as as it should have been. You know, because you do look like look at countries like Canada where they're allowing people with disabilities to uh, avail of assisted dying. They're allowing drug addicts to avail assisted dying. Like I mean, if you're a person 
who has no quality of life. Like for me, even I would prefer if it was just if you're if you're at like end of life. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're at the point where you're in the hospital and your family are sitting around and waiting for a week or two for you to eventually pass away, if you have it there before in the kind of type, like a type of living will kind of a thing, you know, for a doctor to come in and, and end your pain and ease your suffering. I mean, to be fair, the kind of do it is slightly in a roundabout way at the moment when you go on a morphine pump anyway because it weakens your heart and it weakens your organs. You know, and yeah, I, I have know. to say, from my own point of view, Dave, I'm I'm sort of sitting on the fence where this is concerned because you know life is dear to so many of us, and you know even if somebody is lying there, maybe you know, in as you say, in the last stages of a terminal disease or something, they may feel they want to hang on to every single possible moment. Oh, of course, and it's an incredibly valid argument, and it really is, and that's why it has to be up to the individual. Like, when I'm talking, like, you go and you meet somebody and you make this decision, I would like to see a thing in place where you talk to a social worker, you talk to a therapist, you talk to a, a doctor, you talk to a consultant, you know what I mean? You don't just walk in and say, right, if I if X, Y, and Z happens to me, I want you to end my life. You know what I mean? Like It, it, it should be a, a not a long mm. process, but it should be a process. You know what I mean? You, you should have people there going, Right, well, you want to do this, but I want to give you the other side of the argument. And, like, that is a very fair and a very valid point to make. But the thing is, as well, is there are some people out there due to, like, some illnesses, cancer in particular, where their last few days or their last couple of weeks aren't spent lying in a bed, you know, yes. like, breathing in yes. and out, and they're surrounded by family. They're spending incredible amounts of pain and suffering, you know. And, like, um, I, know, I know people like to talk about palliative care, and... Palliative care people, in my opinion, are easily some of the best people in the face of this planet. They are, yeah. their, their, their entire job is death, and they they handle it with just such and, and, care. And that, that, that and can't be easy. You, you, you can tell me to, to mind my own business if you want, Dave, but would you talk to me a little of your wife? Yeah, no, of course. I, I love talking about right. it. You, you lost your wife to, to cancer, Dave. She passed away there in March. Right, and she, can I ask you about that experience and and did you touch on issues like this um no she would like she would have been a supporter of it as well but it's just like even if it was a thing i don't think we would have been able to avail of us uh like michelle being michelle she she wouldn't have anyway like you know she was like she she was like five foot what five foot two five foot three and you know she was a little wicked of yoke and she was one of the toughest people you'd ever meet in your life so I, i I don't think she would have, like, you know, but, like, everything happened for us so fast. Like, she was given the all clear in February, and um, by March, then things started going downhill, and she went back into, was a UHL in um, Paddy's weekend, and she passed away in Milford's on the 25th. So we actually, we, we were only actually married uh, five days before she passed. My God, Dave, it's obviously still very raw for you, and I'm so sorry to 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 bring bring you back to that place. I I I love talking about her. I'm quite happy to talk about. Her. Uh, of most course. of most of the sentences that uh, come out of my mouth nowadays usually start with, "You remember that time, me and Michelle, blah blah blah." Do you know? Of course, of course, and 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 rightly so too. Can I ask you about the the final time when with her? Then I mean, was she was she conscious? Was she able to share her thoughts with you, Dave? And the gas thing about it is, I know like a lot of people kind of think um, 
you know, when you get to a stage like this, you know, like it's you know, it's like it's like something from a Hollywood movie. You know, you you stay up all night thinking and uh, talking talk and, and you know this and that. And um, myself, Michelle, we don't really have that. You know what I mean? Like uh, anything we needed to say to each other had been said a thousand times, ten thousand times before. You know, Michelle was very very practical. Like I mean, it wasn't our first kind of rodeo with cancer. I mean. Both of my parents died from cancer. Her dad died from cancer. Like the poor girl, she lost both of her parents in six months okay. back in 2017. You know, so we were, we were fairly well acquainted with loss. You know, and um, no, we just she went in Paddy's weekend. She wasn't well. I was told it had come back and was in her liver. Um, the people blowing the hospital uh, moved heaven and earth and helped us organize a wedding in two days. We got married in UHL and. Um, they gave us the bad news then. We got married on the Monday. They, they gave us the bad news on the Tuesday. And um, all Michelle said was, <laughs> the only thing that came out of her mouth was, oh, okay. Do you know? So, you know, obviously they left. We had a cry with two kids as well. And the toddler was only 14 months old at the time. Do you know? So, you know, she just made me promise that I'd like, do my best to look after the boys, look after myself. And um, she just said, well, look, I'll just do as much as I can with, with the time I have left. But, you know, she kind of, that was what the Tuesday, sure. She passed away on the Saturday. It just, it all happened so fast, you know. My God. Um, uh, she she sounds remarkable, Dave. Oh, uh, she was. Your, your son Ben knew her very well, actually. Oh, did he indeed? Oh, yeah, God, yeah. sure, Dave, sure, sorry. I sure I know who I'm talking to now, Dave. Yeah. Dave, I'm yeah. so sorry. Of course I know who I'm talking to now. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, my God almighty. And how are you now, Dave? Um, I'm I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 a waking nightmare time. You know what I mean? Like good days and bad days. I probably have more of the latter than the former. You know, yeah. but to start, I I didn't know my arse smell, but I yeah. really did. You know what I mean? Because it was just because you know, like myself, and Michelle were we were we were joined at the hip. You know, but um, but the support though, and like I'm I'm very cognizant and I'm very aware of like the support network I have is. Is absolutely amazing. It is like I'm from friends to family to um, just to, to people of Cap White, you, you know, and surrounding areas as well. You know, like I, I, and there's a lot of people out there who don't have the level of sport that I have. You know, I mean, they did a fundraiser, they did a pink night in Armshaws for her. Um, you know, a couple yeah. about two weeks after she passed away, the entire village of Cap White went pink for her for one night. And, and and right, the last time I saw you all together, in fact, come to think of it, what was in the tea rooms in Anacarty. Uh, it was actually, and, yeah. Yeah, and that was a short time, I think, before Michelle pa- passed away. Was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too long before she was diagnosed, actually, yeah. All right, Dave, thank you so much for coming on with me this morning. No, I'm no, sorry no, if we no. upset you, Dave. But no, it's, Jesus, you're, no, you're the finest. I just got, look, I, I love talking about her, so know. do you know what I mean? I have my weepies every day anyway, so it's all, it's all good. All right, you look after yourself, Dave, and to your family as well. Thank you so much. No, no, friend. Thank you, bye-bye. You know, bye bye. That's uh, Dave. Uh, news is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip today. Huge response this morning. And thank you so much indeed for responding and interacting with our various conversations here. Um, 
huge response for Dave there and uh, people talking about uh, how open he's been in his conversation and talking about his lovely wife, Michelle, and all of that. And uh, thank you for that. Big, big response to Willie as well this morning. Um, a lot of the text I couldn't read out because it's you using, uh, shall we say, colourful uh, language uh, as well. Uh, almost everybody in disagreement with him, it's fair to say. But I will have a look through and see if there's any any positives in there. But look, you know, I mean, unless it's it's troublesome, we everybody's entitled to a platform. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. And we value Willie's opinion, as we do everybody else's opinion as well. And thank you very much indeed for that. Now, following a huge online uh, backlash, the owners of a Wexford bar have issued a public apology to a musician after he was initially told not to play Irish rebel songs if he wanted to continue with these gigs there. Luke Whitty saw all of his scheduled bookings at the Crown Bar in Wexford to town cancelled after he refused to remove rebel songs from his set list. The controversy rose from a gig in the front bar at the Crown on Saturday night and Luke joins me now. Good morning to you, Luke. Morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today, Luke. Can you believe, time, can you believe, Luke, how this has taken off and has generated such conversation around the country at this point? Uh, well, I, I, I can't believe how it took off, but now that it took off, I can, I can believe why people are talking about it because it has been, like an issue, like people, this, you know, this kind of woke culture that they have about cancel culture or whatever that's going around. So, but I couldn't believe how the support that I've been getting from this. Like, like when when I comment on Facebook, like I, I probably what four hundred people. Like I thought maybe I might get a, a couple of people like that would support me, and that was the end of it. I didn't think like today you now like uh, it's blown up. Like say, I got to speak to Brian Warfield today, and all like this is just blowing up massively. Like. I just dreaming here. I am. Tell tell me about the regular gig because you do generally a tour to our set in the pubs and clubs. What kind of a mix of music would you play normally, Luke? So normally I would start off maybe do a few Irish ballads, like started County Down and this kind of stuff, and then I would go into a bit maybe do a bit more kind of pop music, could be a bit of Miley Cyrus or this kind of genre that people like and then maybe go could do it a bit country like Johnny Cash Garth Brooks uh, oh, like a, a range of music hmm. and then near the end of the night then there are usually people who would be like can you do rebel music like you know do a bit of rebel like you know they'd be looking for a bit of rebel so do about 15-20 minutes maybe half an hour if, if it was at the end of the night and that, that would usually be my set now if if, if, if something wasn't going well I would change it then, you know. I would. Adapt yeah, you, you'd respond. Would, you respond to yeah. the audience, yeah. Yeah. And and this is this would be expected of Luke Quitty's gig. I mean, people going to see Luke over the years, they know what to expect from you. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, one hundred percent. You know, if you're coming on a Sunday, it's going to be Irish ballads and rebels on a Sunday. Everyone loves mm. that. Just have a few drinks and just listen to a, few, a bit of Irish music on a Sunday. Like it's well known that I this is the music I do. Mm. You know what I mean? So what happened then on Saturday night that made things different? So, well, the only thing is, Saturday night, when I not changed, it was a brilliant night, and then obviously came home and received a phone call on the Monday that there was two complaints made by people that got offended by the rebel music. And the manager decided that the best option was that he was going to ban rebel music for everyone, which obviously I wasn't happy when I told him that it wasn't going to, I wasn't going to allow that. Like, mm. And he just told me, if that, that's my belief, then that I wasn't, I wasn't no longer welcome, basically. That you wouldn't have your gigs no. honoured there after that. Yeah, is that, is all that my it? gigs were 
all my gigs were cancelled, yeah. Was it rebel music in general or was it certain songs or a certain song, Luke? So, there, well, he said all rebel music. So he, he painted, he said like Grey, The Streets of New York, but he called them rebel. I wouldn't, I, they'd be more kind of a ball, an Irish ballad mm. kind of one to me. Like Grey's the love song, it wouldn't be a rebel song. Yeah. But I don't, uh, Crouch of Black and Tans and Sam's song, now they would be a rebel song. Mm. You know I mean, and I, I presume they would be more the ones people got offended over it for, or got their feelings hurt, I should say. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. Right, and do, do you do Celtic Symphony, for example, with Ua? I did, but I, did, I do, but I didn't do it that night. Right. Uh, so I didn't. So I the, the I Ua up the Ra thing wasn't part of the issue, was it? Uh, oh, uh, it would there would have been people singing it during the Samsung, I'd say. Right. But uh, it wouldn't have been as big as the Celtic Symphony version if I had done the, that one. Right. That would have been loud. Right. No, I'm but, just uh, wondering what triggered the... Yeah. Um, the criticism from whoever was there, whoever got offended by, by exactly, by, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and do you know who was offended? But not by name. But do you know who they were? I mean, were they English people, for example? No, were no, they... I I thought I had suspicion because there was a there was a fiftieth birthday party on, but mm. they've since got in contact with me and said no, it was none of them that done it. So the, the two people I thought it might have been, it definitely wasn't. Mm. So I haven't. I honestly haven't clue who who it was. Now, oh. huge backlash to this, as we say. Um, the pub ending up coming out and apologising to you yeah. about it and saying it was a particular manager who overreacted and all that kind mm. of thing. Will you go back and play there now? No, no. I, like, I, I accept their apology, but I, I couldn't go back and play and, and like, you know, try to, to, to do sing those songs with passion and energy when you, you just know it's not what they want, really. Like, like if, if more people started to complain, sure, I'd, I'd just be back to square one, you know? I don't, I just, yeah, like, you just don't feel welcome anymore there, like, because management have basically told you what they've thought, and sure, how would you go back now just over, cause, just because there was a backlash over it, you, you still wouldn't feel welcome, you know what I mean? And do you come across this in other places that places might object to this kind of music, Luke? No, I've, I've never, I've never had uh, people being offended or complained, never had a complaint, but I have had, like, say, uh, a birthday party down down some part of the country and there's a lot of um, family members coming over and they, not that they don't they just don't like rebel or say like rebel yeah, music and all yeah. like they're just not into it it's not that they're offended just don't like it and it would say to me like we don't want to hear any rebel I said that's no problem I, I'm not going to force anything on you like I'm not going to sing anything you don't want to hear I mean, but when I'm playing my shows I want to sing what I want to sing you know what I mean so and, and, you know, gigs, as I know myself, God knows, Luke, uh, gigs are getting scarce. So, yeah. you know, I, this was a regular place for you. Um, is it? Oh, this, this would have been regular, yeah. yeah like, you're, you're, been... you're not cutting off your nose to spite your face with us or anything, is it? No, uh, no. well, I was, at the time I was. I thought, at the time when I had, I thought, like, this, I could be in a lot of, this could be troublesome, like, I could be, I could be finished, basically. But then, there's a, now, now I'm like, now I, I don't even know how to plan the next move because there's so many pubs around Ireland and England and all like even Lanzarote pubs have been on to me to come over to spend a few weeks over there so there's so the name Lou Quitty is known everywhere now so uh, it's, everywhere, a, yeah. it's, it's an ill wind that that yeah. blew well for you um, like, t- tell me about the rebel music though I mean you're a young lad uh, hmm. Luke I, I don't can I ask you what age you are uh, 28. 28. Okay, so you've been playing for quite a few years. Um, uh, about a year and a half, two years. Right, so have you seen rebel music become more and more popular and is it young people looking for it? Oh yeah, well, there's, there's, a, there's a kind of like, 
it's kind of like the older generation and the young generation. They're massive into it. Like they're really, it's really popular. Like like I've had, I could have say an 80, 90 year old, and he's coming up and he's naming these songs that I've never even heard of, and I'm, I have to go and learn them because they just they're they're into their uh, you know your Dan McCabe's and mm, your, yeah. Uh, yeah. your Wolf Tones and all these crowd. They're just they're loving it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really is, and it really is getting more and more popular. And, I mean, is it a case, Luke, that people are just enjoying the music or is there, because some people are pointing out there's a danger to this because it's offensive to, to so many people and stuff, ooh, ah, up the ra and come out your black and tans and all this stuff. Um, do, is it just a bit of crack? It is, that's all. I, I've seen people, like, when you, when the rugby is on, you'll see the, the English with their jerseys and they're singing the songs with Irish people There's, and the Scots and the, the Welsh. They're all singing these songs. They come over here because they want to hear these songs. They want to embrace this culture. Like, it's, 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 I don't know why we try to be to make it out that we're offending other people. We're not. We're embracing our culture. That's all it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and is there a danger that we're going to get very politically correct about this now and that... Other venues might now. I know that they've backtracked on this in yeah. the Crown, but is well, the danger that other venues might say, "Well, look, we don't need the hassle." Well, I hope they don't. Like, uh, like personally speaking, like I, 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 I would hate to see that happen, and I, I don't believe it should happen. You know, I don't, I don't think there's anything, as you say, like as like dangerous or anything about it. It's not as if people hear these songs and they want to go out in the street and you know cause eruption. Yeah. Like after the music stops, everyone calms down and the crack is over. And they unfortunately have to go home. You know what I mean? That's how it ends. Right. It but, doesn't. Yeah, but they've been yeah. singing along, and they've been having a good evening. And as you say, yeah. that's it. Then nobody is going out onto the streets and behaving no. badly because of singing no. a couple of rebel songs. Is that? No, most people now would just come up and would have they'd have a conversation. They tell me what a certain song meant to them or reminds them of a family member and how when they were growing up because we've all grown up to like definitely me I've grown up listening to Love Tones mm. and there's there's like uh, my grandfather and all there's songs that would bring me back to these times that's what I look backwards you know what I mean it's a good memory and mm. I look forward to a bright future like that's it yeah what do, what did you make of the, um, the women's uh, soccer team getting into a lot of trouble for, for, for singing um, uh, in, the, in, in the dressing room and stuff because I, I thought it was the you know, I thought it was a great thing that they done. I, I think it's shocking that the, these women are absolutely fantastic, and that because they sang, you know, like they sang a song that mm-hmm. people can say, oh, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be allowed to sing a song because they offended us or my feelings got hurt. These women can go out and sing whatever songs they want. They have the right to sing what they want. I don't see why people should be allowed to tell them what they can and can't do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, rebel music is it on the rise? I mean, I'm thinking of the tumbling paddies, and here, here in in, in yeah. Tipperary, we have the rebel yeah. hearts, and the you know, mm. like the wolf tones are probably more popular than they've ever been at this point, even mm. though they're retiring now. Mm. Oh yeah, it's, well, it's not just rebel music. Ba- even ballads, like you know, um, you said tumbling paddies, like they're uh, just the way I am. These yeah. songs are always asked for me in the night out. I go, I have to learn these songs because I, I fed up with people asking them. I have to, like, you're nearly forced to learn the songs. <laughs> yes, I and, know, yeah. That's what they just love it. They just want Irish music. It, rebels, like ballads, rebels, the whole Irish thing is just, they love that music. All right, very good. So you won't return to the crown? No, unfortunately, I won't. I won't. Right. I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same. Right. But instead, you're being asked now to venues that you were never asked to. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm overwhelmed with the sport. I just, like, the phone is just constantly ringing with. People just want to tell me their stories and other musicians that have happened to that they've they didn't stand up they just allowed it and they're all saying like they should have took a stance you know they're 
you know, I mean, they, they were made to feel offended for being Irish, is what they've described it as. Are you going into the recording studio? Have you plans? Uh, no, no plans at the moment. Uh, we're just going to, well, hopefully we'll do something like that and put up, maybe try to get some songs up on Spotify. That's what a lot of people have been asking for, to get some songs up on Spotify. But I'm just a fellow who's playing a few tunes on a weekend and this is just blowing up, so... You know, I'm looking for people to kind of help guide me, as you say. I'm looking for the, the right people to help me now and taking the next step, as I say. Yeah, well, look at look at Dan McCabe. I mean, you know, yeah. nobody knew Dan McCabe until oh. he started putting up a few videos there during COVID, and now he's he's huge. You know, he's massive, yeah. And he had a video as well before that. Up on like he was being, he, it's not an over, he it's not an overnight. He's been putting the work in for years to mm. get where he is. Mm. But yeah. but in terms of people knowing him, is what I mean. Oh uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Like and just, that's all it takes. It just yeah. takes something to click. And then everyone will know you. Yeah. And it's 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 yeah, it's, it's surreal. I have to say it's surreal at the moment. All right. Luke, really good to talk to you and I hope we meet up on the road somewhere along the way. But um, okay. look after yourself and the very best of luck to you anyway. Thanks, man. Thanks, Take thanks, it easy. thanks but, for our listeners. But, Thank you. Bye bye to you, Nance. Luke Whitty there from uh, Wexford and a huge, huge amount of social media. Uh, coverage of that issue and I'm wondering how do you feel uh, about that uh, do you think that uh, an artist in a, a pub or in a club or in a theatre should be censored in some way in terms of what they play and what they do 083 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, Councillor John Fitzgerald was on with us uh, first thing this morning and he broke that news that developers are on site at the old uh, Clonmel Arms in uh, Clonmel to secure the site. Well, we had an email from Breed who said, I'm so happy to hear... Uh, of that uh, beginning of the development at the Clonmel Arms today. I have no doubt this will be a game changer for the town. Huge thanks to all those who worked on putting this deal together and best wishes to the developers as they progress with the work. We've stayed in town centre hotels in similar towns, some even without the beautiful setting within which Clonmel lies and they're always busy with locals and guests. Clonmel has missed out on this for too long, but now hopefully we will have a hotel to be proud of in the middle of the town and the businesses, pubs, etc. Uh, around it will feel the benefit as well. An email from Dave who says, Fran, I agree with Willie. We do need foreign labour. However, we need proper control. Many Irish people go to work in the Gulf countries, but the Gulf countries have strict control. People are given work permits for a specific period of time, but not permanent residency. These countries also enforce their immigration laws and migrants do leave when their visas uh, expire. The main problem we have is a lack of trust. People don't believe our government is in control or don't have the backbone to enforce the laws. I've worked in America, uh, but we are not a massive landmass. We are a tiny island. Uh, we can uh, uh, easily be overwhelmed if the government can't or won't grasp the nettle. New political parties will fill the vacuum. This is exactly what is happening right across Europe, says uh, uh, Dave to us by email. And that's tip today at tipfm.com. Um, just uh, for your information as well, uh, there's the, the annual pub quiz for Newcastle Historical Society happening at uh, Nugent's Pub on uh, Friday night, and that's happening at 8 o'clock as well. So 083-311-3311. Now, just before the break, I spoke to uh, the musician Luke Whitty about uh, that whole 
controversy uh, where he was singing uh, rebel songs in the Crown Bar in Wexford Town and um, some people not happy with that. Uh, Mary is with me now. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, friend. And thanks thanks for taking our call this morning, Mary. Um, yeah, you've been listening about this and you've been reading about this. What, what, what do you make of it? Now, if I really told you what I think, I'd probably be barred off the airwaves. <laughs> We'd all be in trouble, uh, Mary, would we? Absolutely, friend. You know me now. <laughs> I, the, the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, okay, in this instance, it was read the songs. I guarantee you there's not one person listening this morning that hasn't been to a gig somewhere where they didn't like something that was played. Yeah. But they either sat through it and waited for the next lot of songs or they got up and they left. Yeah. It's becoming way, way, way too easy to make a big deal out of all these things now. And people being Especially offended, they, I suppose. Yeah. Ah, yeah, but like, I mean, offended by what? Mm. Exactly. Mm. Do you know? Um, fair enough, maybe, if they were English. But then, to be fair, if you go to England, you might disagree with God save the king, but mm. you'll stand for it. Mm. Yes, because, it, because it's because their, it's their there. country. Yes, of course. I'm there. And it's the same, you know, um, no matter where you go. Well, funny enough, Mary, I, I toured all the old um, working men's clubs in England over the years, and the, the you yeah. know the various Catholic clubs, and one thing, right, right across yeah. England into Wales and Scotland as well. And they thoroughly, and a lot of them were genuine English people. They thoroughly enjoyed Irish music. So I, I don't know where this is coming from, really. You know, Listen, Pat and 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 Tony Hogan did a a stint in Wales for mm. a St Patrick's weekend type mm. thing, and. They played in, um, oh God, the Legion, one of the Legion clubs. Mm, yeah. The Irish music went down a bomb. Mm. A bomb. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it is this cancel culture, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's just it, something to be offended. I think people just like complaining. Is, it the, is it the ooh uh, up the wrath? aspect of it that's offensive do you think is that is that what why the... would it be I mean you know if we're referring to Celtic Symphony there it's not even a rebel song mm-hmm. it's graffiti on a wall mm-hmm. that's yes. what it is Brian, Brian Warfield who wrote now, it that's his that's his version of the song yeah that's his version of yeah. it and Scottish people will agree with that mind mm-hmm. and yeah the you up the res in it but you're you know I mean they were there mm-hmm. Whether they were right or wrong, they fought for what they believed in, and especially the old IRA. Mm. And it is our culture. It is our country. But do you think that if people are chanting that, that they have anything in their mind bar a bit of crack, you know? Other than having a good time, honestly, God, I don't think so. Do you think that they're really trying to push... I don't know, the notion... An agenda, I don't. No, not in the slightest. I know if I was somewhere and there was regular songs and if I was singing along to them, I wouldn't be doing it to offend the British, to offend anyone. I'd be singing along because they're sing-along songs and they're ours. Yeah. 
God, you're bringing me back memories now. I remember about 30 years ago, I was playing in a place uh, called Newark in England and we did a concert and afterwards, of course, needless to say, we all ended up in the bar and everybody ended up doing a party piece, including the English barman who had no Irish connection at all. Connection. And, and when it came to his song, he sang Kevin Barry. <laughs> you see? And we, we, our mouths dropped open. I couldn't, couldn't believe it. But I mean, you, you know, he sang it as a great song as opposed to... As mean, opposed yeah. to being a rebel yeah. song or an anti-British song yeah. or... And you know, if you were to ask the majority of British people, I genuinely believe that the honest God, down to earth, British people don't give a hoot. Yeah. Do you think they it's don't. people being offended on their behalf in some way? I think it's people being offended because they like to complain, Frank. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's genuinely the way I see it. As I said, you, you've you probably been at gigs where I played them, where people didn't like maybe a couple of things you played you or whatever. Be, you can be certain of it, I'm bloody sure of it. <laughs> but the thing is, they either sat through it and yeah. waited for the next set, yes. or... You yeah. always have options, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's nobody chaining you to a seat. Yeah. You don't. And you, saying, don't you don't have to sit there and 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 be offended. Yeah. No, for the sake of being offended. Yeah, but it's interesting you know? that the bar and uh, look, I know the way business is, and you have to try and make right decisions. Sometimes business is making correct decisions, but it, it's interesting that the bar decided. Whoops. You know, we, we, we better nip this in the bud now in some way. Two complaints. Yeah. Two complaints. Now, that young lad, I listened to his interview there with you. Fair yeah. Jean. He sounds to me as if he's what ye all were in the long ago. Somebody who probably has a job mm. and gigs at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. to make a few extra Enjoys his music. Yeah. He obviously has a wide genre. Mm. Um, Rebel songs happen to play a small part in it. Mm. He enjoys singing them. The majority of the crowd enjoy listening to them. And you had two, two, I'd love to know how many was in the place, mm. but you had two overrule what everybody else wanted. And I think the manager made a huge mistake. And in fairness to the pub, they've come out and they're holding their hands up and saying, you know, the manager may have overreacted in, in, in some way to it. But it's kind, of, it's kind of an interesting discussion, really, because I, I suppose a lot of this emerged from, as I said to Luke, the, the, the Irish women's soccer team, you know, in the privacy of yeah. their dressing room, they're saying... Singing. They had an old was. chant and a, a bit of crack. Essentially, and, yeah. essentially a soccer song. Yeah. Not a rebel song. Yeah. It's, um, and they were... Humili- I mean, you know, they read and they were they were humiliated mm. over over that. Like, I think the whole thing is ridiculous, Fran. I really do. But is, Honest to God, isn't it amazing? The, the the backlash now has everybody talking about Luke Whitty. And with respect to Luke, I'm not sure how many people would have known his name outside of Wexford Town until now. Exactly. And with Joe Duffy and what happened with the Wolf Tones, um, all of a sudden now they can sell out the Three Arena a couple of times over. Exactly. Exactly, and I hope something similar happens for this young man. Mm. I haven't heard his voice, I don't know, but I'm assuming that if he's gigging on a regular basis, you know yourself how mm. hard it is to get work. Yeah, yeah. He's got to be good. Mm. He's now getting gigs abroad out of it. Fair dues to him. Mm. So whoever this manager is, he sort of mm. did him a favour, maybe. 
And yeah. another thing I will say is fair dues to the lad mm. for not going back there. Yeah, because, you know, as I was saying to him, and God knows, you know, the way since COVID, gigs are a lot more scarce than they used to be, Mary. I'm, I'm sure like you know that too. Be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting one for sure. You wouldn't give us a bar of a song yourself, Mary, or anything, no? I would just stop it. Them days are long gone. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you both. What I do want to do, friend, yeah. three times in the last four weeks I've been hospitalised twice here at home. And Sorry to hear that, Mary. Thursday to Monday in Waterford and I'd just like to thank everybody involved in my care. Right, and they were good to you Mary and they looked after you. Extremely oh, and good. I have to say now it was my first time being an inpatient in Waterford in particular and I cannot praise them enough down there. They are absolutely excellent, amazing, all of them. Well it's great to get a positive news story about the health service and how's the health with you now Mary? I'm like the creaking door. As long as I keep the hinges oiled, I'll stay creaking for another while, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. It's, you... it's cellulitis that yeah. I have, friend. Right. And um, it sort of, the first admission here, it had turned to sepsis, which was... Oh, my God. Scary biscuits now, I will wow. say. That's very serious, very Mary, serious. yeah. And very scary how fast it happened. It happened in the space of two hours. Why am I hearing so much about sepsis recently? Because it's such a serious condition, you know. It is. Um, but you see, I think it was always there. It's just people are talking about it now. Um, I went from feeling a little bit unwell to within two hours, basically not able to control my body with the shaking and the shivering and the temperature. And I was literally in and out of it oh, for God. 24 hours. I doubt the other end, and hopefully there's an end in sight. I'll be able to have laser surgery on the legs, and hopefully everything will be fine. But it was just to thank everybody, and also some of the patients I met. My God, you meet some characters. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you do. <laughs> you do. Yeah. And ironically enough, there was a, a, a lady, a girl, a youngish girl, in, in the ward I was in at the weekend in Waterford, and she was actually from Wexford. Oh, she indeed. Yeah. Uh, and knew this pub and knew this young guy, well, knew off him singing and that, and was absolutely disgusted with what had happened. With what happened, isn't it interesting? Yeah. Well, Mary, I'm glad you're back to, to, to well, sort of back to health anyway, Mary, and uh, always good to talk to you. And thanks for coming I on, Mary. You, I, thought, I thought you were going to say normality because you really <laughs> have to define that with me. <laughs> good luck, Mary. Look after yourself, <laughs> Thanks, friend. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Bye-bye. Uh, Mary speaking to us. Listen, making a very interesting point. Uh, I wonder if the name of the pub is part of the issue. That's very interesting. Yeah, the crown. What was it? The crack was good in Cricklewood. We never left the crown. There was... Uh, well, what's the rest of it? There was uh, something crying and there was Paddy's flying, Paddy going to town or something like that. Yeah, the crown in Cricklewood. God, I remember it. I'm giving away my age here now, but I remember going into the crown in Cricklewood at one stage and it was so... <laughs> it was. I shouldn't laugh. It was so rough there that the tables and chairs were actually bolted to the floor. And I'm sure that's not the case in Wexford. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's TIP Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
Yeah, I made a hash of that lyric, didn't I? It's the crack was good in Cricklewood and they wouldn't leave the crown with glasses flying and biddies crying sure Paddy was going to town. Oh, mother dear, I'm over here. I'm never coming back. What keeps me here is the rake of beer, the ladies and the crack. So that's the one from the... Actually, I had forgotten what a great lyric that is. Uh, McAlpine's Fusiliers, of course, because the first couple of lines are brilliant as well. It was in the year 39. The sky was full of lead. Hitler was heading for Poland and Paddy for Hollyhead. It's great, isn't it? Oh, the memories, the memories. Jim was in touch with us and he joins me now. Jim, good morning to you. Morning, Brian. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed, Jim. Good to talk to you today. Uh, you, you... Uh, that, that verse you came out there reminded me of I ran a pub in Kentishtown for a while. Did you indeed? I did, did you? yeah. Did you indeed? The crack was good in Cricklewood. <laughs> it certainly was. For how many years did you do that, Jim? Uh, three years there. Three years there, yeah. And uh, yeah, I managed a pub. Were, were the rebel songs sung? Oh, there was many rebel song songs. I was singing, singing them myself. <laughs> So you can't understand why people are offended then, I guess, Jim, can you? Oh, oh I, I can. I remember uh, I was up in um, an Irish centre in Newcastle. I forget who came in. It was uh, well, Easy Street or some some Irish band. Yeah. Uh, the crowd in Newcastle. In the, in the Irish centre in Newcastle, I want them to play the Irish National Anthem. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Uh, I said, are you joking, that? I said, imagine if a, an English band came to... John made the castle bar anywhere you like and say, God save the Queen, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't played, suffice to say. It wasn't Jim. played, it wasn't, no, it wasn't played. It wasn't played. Jim, no. t- tell me about your experience with the with the HSE, Jim. And uh, your, your it's concert. not the HSE now, I'm not blaming the HSE, I'm just, I, I had an appointment, a cardiology appointment. Mm. Yeah. And I went down and I hope wherever you want to go and I went in and met the receptionist. It was in the private clinic, not the Yes. Yeah. And the first thing she said to me, she had a nice outfit on her. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a nurse, like she wasn't in one of the, the khaki uniforms or anything like that. Uh, that'll be, uh, I think, 160 up front. And I kind of said, Joe, I said, yeah, I, I never buy a pig in a poke. So she wanted uh, 160 before anything was done? Before anything was done. Now, I was early and a bit of a wait. I think a nurse then took me in and took my blood pressure. Uh, uh, sorry, Jim, did you give her the 160? Oh, I did. With okay. the car, I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You had to, yeah. Uh, well, maybe it had been done before, I don't know, but I paid it anyway. Yes. And then uh, I think uh, I think a nurse did the ECG on me. Mm. Now, I had experience of going there before on the public, in the public side. Yes. And the manager should go in to take your blood, then to do the stress test, then to do the uh, echo test. Mm. But none of that was done. Oh. I have, have a nippy heart, you know? Yeah. And after a while, anyway, the cardiologist came and said, come in, sorry for keeping you waiting. And when he went in, so I said, I'll be back in five minutes. So then he came back in five minutes and he was looking for some money around fires and how I said the, the letter from your GP said so and so and so and so. And then um, he said, "What uh, have you a list of medicals which are... My prescriptions with me, and I had mm. a list made out, and I gave it to him. Mm. Then he went again, and then I said, "Should I, when he came back next time, uh, he put the stethoscope to my chest, the left side and the right side, through through to three pullovers nearly. I mean, normally when you go to the doctor, you have to lift up your shirt and your vest. Yeah. So it's a very, a very, a very brief examination of my lungs or my heart, whatever he was doing." 
Adelaide, um, why am I not doing the, um, the stress test and the echo? Oh, he said, you have to book them. And they're very busy. You have to book them. I said, well, and we'll do that the next time you come down. Well, the next time I come down, it's called a review, and that would cost 90 So I said, uh, why didn't you book them for this time? So anyway, it wasn't done. I got no treatment from him, got very little sass, and then near 1 o'clock, we walked up into the public place and up to the stress room and the echo room, and I could see it was dark. Mm. But he put his head in the door. I said, okay, then told me to sit down in the chairs outside and disappeared. And so I was there about five, ten minutes. I saw no going on. Everybody went to the lunch. So there was a girl, a nurse inside in the, um, in the, uh, in the stress room where you, where you get up on the treadmill. Mm. I said, is there anyone in the echo room? And she said, oh, they're all gone to the lunch. You won't be back until two or half two. This is about ten past one. Now, he left me there, but no, he could, he could have told me they were going to the lunch. And nobody told you that, no. Correct. No one told me. Only the girl that I asked. I got up and I can be bowled at times, so I went in there. And she told me that. So I said, I must stay in here. So you went home? I went home. I got nothing done with... Uh, no check on my heart frantic. None, none whatsoever. And you were down €160. Euro and 160 And your medical insurance, I presume. Well, and the medical insurance, yeah. I got hundred them immediately because I tell you now, I, I, I was on... I have the medical card and I got done down there very good on the, on the public side with the same person twice already and I was happy enough. Hmm. So with, with, the, with the waiting list now, I decided to go on my insurance. And I, I did jump, I did go in sooner than I thought. Yeah. So uh, that's the story there. But are you saying to me, basically, Jim, that it was a better service? The po- now, I know you'd be waiting longer, but was it a better service on, on, on the public? It was a service. It was a better I was very happy with it. I'm not happy with yesterday at all. I mean, I have to drive a few miles to it. We're not mentioning any names. Yeah. And uh, I said that to him. I said, I have to drive. I said, I have to look after my wife as well. Can't be gone for more than three or four hours. I said, it's very busy roads. And, and I'm 80, nearly. And, and, and what are you suspicious of where, where your heart is? You see, that's very serious that you went home, I, Jim. I, I tell you, I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very conscious of it. I have AFib. And if I get any touch of a symptom at all, yes, uh, I, I exercise a lot. And I felt way back when I went to my GP to tell him that, but I have no symptoms since. I'm feeling great. Yeah. Even though I got the flu jab and the COVID jab, yes, and I'm kind of sore. Right. But well, get the jab down there now. Right. But but there's the, there's nothing sort of you know serious that you, that you were checking out really. What was that? I'm, I, I'm just conscious that you went home in case. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it could it could be something that needed well, attention. Yeah, that's my story now. My God. Uh, so what what was his attitude like to you? Was he was he courte- was he courteous to you? Standoffish a bit. I've met him twice before. Right. So he wasn't over friendly to you, or? I mean, he wasn't. Uh, Pinching my ear or anything like that, or give me a kick here and there. No, he, he was just a little bit flippant as well. 
What What do you put that down to, Jim? I mean, is it, do you think it's because he was so busy? I, I or? put it down to famous word used for the RT by his trouser and money. Do you think so? Well, I don't know. And don't know. is that what you think is behind this notion that you have to come back again for... for oh, other... correct, yeah. It's like the NCT, Fran. Uh, uh, yeah. And you go, and I remember last NCT I did, there was a light, uh, uh, my brake lights were working, but the light on the back window wasn't working. Right. And I had to do a return for that. Now, I remember years ago getting something like that to tell you, get that light fixed, and there's no return back. Right. But you so, had to you had to trips off, get it done, and come back to them. Do, uh, what, what, money, was, was there a cost on that second time round then? Was what? Was there a cost on there that second? No cost, a visual. No cost, it was just a visual. A visual, yeah. yeah. And, and in fact, um, I got the first test done on Nina, and then I, when I went back for the visual, I went to care because I couldn't get back into Nina. God Almighty! And, and then the guy in Nina says, he says. I wouldn't have sent you back for this, he says. Or the guy in care says. Yeah, it's a, it seems to be different, you know, wherever oh, yeah. you, 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 you get tested. But, but, Jim, how's the health with you now? Yeah, I'm great, you know. I'm, I think I'm great anyway. But sure. are you going to follow up on this in some way? Will you have to go back to this fellow again? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I used to go private to a good man in uh, Limerick. Yes. And I got great treatment there. The, the, the procedure there was you went in, then a nice sitting room, waiting room. There's coffee and tea available. Mm-hmm. I know exactly he, where you're talking about it. Yeah. room, he had yeah. Ed Mill, he had all that there. He did all that, took your bloods, got them tested, etc., etc. Then you saw the man. Yeah. And on your way out, you're passing the office and you would say, go in there, did they look after you? Yeah. Um, you, would you change consultant at this point or is that... Well, I'm thinking of it. Yeah. Well, I, I might I might finish up. I go back for the review, I'd say... And give him another 90. I'm, I'm debating it. Right, but do you have to book the stress test yourself? I mean, how does that work? Oh, oh I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean... I mean, will you be going, will you be going down again and paying 90 and, and the thing not booked? Well, th- th- that's exactly what I said to him. I yeah. said, is it booked for the next time? Oh, it is, yeah. I said, why wasn't it booked for this time? And what did he say to that? He didn't say... <laughs> Silence is golden. You're able to look after yourself, Jim, which is very important. I am, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fresh enough, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I behave. I used to behave one time. When I was in Kentish Tower, I didn't behave too well. <laughs> did, did, did you not? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, was that because the crack was good in Kentish Town, well, was it? The crack was good in Kentish Town and down to Cricket Woods and everywhere. Very good. What is it like to be 80, Jim? Well, I'll be 80 in March. Yeah. What, 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 have you got your head around it? Oh, well, I'll tell you now, it's on my mind a lot in the sense that up to a few years ago, I was very active. Mm. I was coaching the kids here and uh, very active. But I notice I'm losing the inclination. Are you? Yeah, I'm losing the inclination to go out. Now, I force myself out the door. I walk every day. And the only thing about walking where I'm here every day is the traffic in town? I think I'm getting, I'm getting respiratory problems from it. Not bad, no. Don't worry, Fran. That's because of the pollution and stuff, is it? The pollution, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, yeah, Well, I mean, mm-hmm. to, to, uh, see, you mentioned there, uh, if you look up uh, Google, you see uh, air fair. I'm in Turles now. Yeah, yeah. A- air is fair. But the WHO has said in Ireland that we're less than that. 
Yeah, we have a lot Every of issues. Yeah, we have a lot of issues with it. That's that's. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you're in the traffic up and down, so yeah. tipped there all the time. I, I, I'd be bad, yeah. I'd be sorry to hear though that you've lost the inclination. I, I hope the head is okay, Jim. Is well, it? the head is perfect. Yeah, hey, yeah. hey, nothing serious, friend. Nothing serious. Yeah. The inclination. Only said that because there's an old guy I used to know. I had a pub in Castlebar one time too, and this guy came in, old Joe Chambers, and he said the lady next door was kind of flighty. And she says to him, Mr. Chambers, she says, have you the time? Now, Joe's nearly 80 at this stage. No, I haven't, he says, nor the inclination. <laughs> and that's the inclination I mean. <laughs> oh, Jim, I needed to be cheered up today. Thank you for that. You, look, you? you look after yourself, Jim. Great to talk to you. Great okay, to talk to you. Thanks, Fran, for taking the call. You're, you're welcome. Good morning, Jim. Thank you, indeed. All right, news is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, you're very welcome back to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 We're almost out, of course to hear from you. Now we're going to play Match 3 after a while so if you want to register to play Match 3 in association with the good friends at Stakedoms, all you have to do is give us your name your details and uh, put Match 3 at the end of your message and uh, we'll have a bit of a draw and we will call somebody back and give you an opportunity to win those uh, fantastic prizes and that's Match 3 in association with Stakedoms Home and uh, Hardware and Stakedoms Expert Electrical and uh, we do it of course five times a day here on a tip today. Now we're with you every single weekday morning from nine and this morning uh, just after uh, nine o'clock we spoke to uh, Dave and here's a little of uh, what he had to say. I beg your pardon we spoke to Willie, let's have a listen to this. There's an ugliness and an absolute coarseness to it and it's an anti, anti-foreigner anti-immigration, anti-anyone that doesn't look like us, talk like us that's what it has become. I, I and, think that's not you know, fair. For the majority of people who have concerns and fears, I don't think that's fair, Willie. I don't agree with you, friend, because we have bred a brand of politician who, who and they want to see where the bandwagon is going. And mm. we're a year out or whatever it is from an election, and now they've realised, well, that's where the bandwagon is going. That's where I need to find my horse now, so I'm on board that. And they're feeding that, they're feeding into that culture of fear and they want to propagate it and they want to be the man or the woman that's championing that. Whereas if they provided a bit of leadership, God love, you know, it's a scarce commodity at times, but it's it's bandwagon stuff, Fran, as far as I can see from a lot of them. And uh, there could well be a good element of that there, Willie, but it doesn't take from the facts that imposing hundreds and hundreds of people into a community where there's already scarce resources is going to cause issues. Well, friend, I mean, we have this issue when people trot out this line, Ireland is full, Ireland is full. Ireland, friend, is one of the sparsest populated countries in Western Europe. Mm. That's a fact. 
And that's Willie who spoke to me uh, in the nine o'clock hour uh, today. The amount of response we got to that. And as I was telling you earlier, most of it I couldn't read out because it was flowery language to say the very least. But there you go. That's the way we work on the programme. We give everybody a platform. Uh, Muriel Cuddy is with me. Muriel, of course, the CEO of Marito 8020 in Clonmel. And it's time for our health slot. What are you going to talk to me about? I don't believe... What? Go on, Muriel. What are you going to talk to us about? Um, I can't believe this. Really. I'm actually wondering, am I lowering the tone completely? Well, or? well I'm not but, sure if the tone could be lowered. Do you know what? Um, every single person that's listening that has an issue with this, no. send a quick message in, okay? Oh God, As we on. get to talk about this, because this happens literally every single person between 15 to 18 times a day, mm. okay? So today we're talking about gas, flatulence, a toot, a fart. All of those kinds of things. All those lovely names. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I thought Emma was kidding me when she put this on the running order. So you're going to, why are you talking about this today, for God's sake? You weren't even able to introduce it, Fran. I wasn't able with to. The proper, no, I can't say those words. I can't. No, no, I can't. I turned the other way in the bath, for God's sake. I'm actually laughing. I can't. I just Seriously. can't deal with this. Are you all right? Do you need a drink of water? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. Right. I, I'm laughing at this all week, though, because... Yes. Um, this happens in my car, right? Because I've got a whole lot of boys. Okay. And, and the kind of, it's, and of it course, starts, women don't do this at all. It's all no, 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 no. I'd never do it yeah, like this. If they're job. listening, they're, the stitch is <laughs> laughing. But um, yeah, so my boys and the younger ones are all 14, 13 and cousins the whole lot inside in the car. We have to put down the windows. And I go mad and I say to them, that's intolerance issues. What did you have to eat today? And they're like, ma'am, stop. Seriously. I have a 13 year old and Charlotte actually said to me this morning when I said I was talking about this and she said, well, he needs to be just put in prison. Like he's just whatever. But <laughs> Anyway, put in put, yeah, yeah. extreme is our Charlotte. It, it, well, no, Jaden's actually extreme. Oh, he's right. he's literally, yeah. He's I I think he got ate last weekend even by my husband. He was like, "What are you eating?" Seriously, <laughs> but it's funny. Um, it started earlier on this week, and the lady, if she's listening, is definitely in stitches in her kitchen this morning. If she's there, right? So she actually said to me when she's social dancing. I said when she explained her story that I was going to do this as a topic today. So when she's social dancing, she literally, yeah. What would you say? Will I say farts? You yeah, say she does. You yeah. So she literally while, continually while, she's while the minute she starts, while she's dancing, not any now before she came to me, this right. was an issue. So literally, as she danced around and this the floor, is involuntary. Yes, this, yes, okay. just happens and can't stop it. But what? so smelly. So she said, mortified as she dances around the floor, she's afraid that somebody's actually following the smell around and actually knows that it's her. So we were in stitches laughing, and we started then exchanging stories in relation to it. Right, right. and I said, I'm going to talk about this week this this week on the radio so I sp- I've spoken to so many people in relation to it since that day right um, my sister she's listening and everyone in my family will know she can laugh as well because she's another culprit massively and I won't say where it happened but she actually literally had to go down under something lately because <laughs> she was such a culprit oh, so doesn't it happen everyone yeah. and and the foul smelling ones and whatever and there's even a couple of stats there do you know the deadliest deadliest fart in history right no. started a conflict in in, in 44 BC, the 10,000 um, died in Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? <laughs> it, like, it started. It started that. a conflict, yeah. A soldier um, against the Jewish people insulted them by farting and swearing while they were having um, having a religious ceremony. They were so offended, they started throwing stones. Then there was a stampede uh, and all these people died. Oh, I something else happened in Egypt along the same lines, right. right? But there's even records for it. Like the longest one on record was two minutes, 42 seconds. What? It was 118 decibels, which is louder than a chainsaw or a rock concert. 
Like, how do you even, how do you even record that? I, I, I'm even? worried that you researched this at <laughs> this point. Yeah. I know. And this, this, this was really, uh, for me, I suppose, you know the way people say you have, to, you, you have to hold it in, you have to stop. And I'm always saying to Jaden, you don't have to do it. You could actually hold that in. It doesn't have to, whatever, you know. But if you do hold it in, um, it literally passes through the gut wall. It's reabsorbed into your bloodstream and it can, it can end up being exhaled through your lungs, coming out of your mouth via um, exhaling. So it actually goes the other way around. Ah. So you don't want to hold it in, do you? So I think it's just right. leave, leave it go. Okay. But the other thing is, it's hydrogen sulfide. That's the major component of like smelly gas or whatever that gives the rotten egg smell. And like the scientific name is AP39. There's actually a load of scientific studies done on this, especially between 2015 and 2018. So I've done the research on this, like, and that actually can benefit you. So the study has done the mit- mitochondria, which is the part of the cells that produce energy, which I talk about all the time, right? And it's literally Literally, it, it reduces the oxidative stress part, literally, on your cells. So it helps them get, stay stronger and, mm. and, and last longer. But like you're talking about things like it lowers blood pressure because it makes the blood vessels less stiff. So this is actually inhaling the smell. That's what I'm talking about. So it's actually when the smell is there, don't hold your nose. You know? right. okay. but, but you should inhale it. You should inhale it, yeah. Heart attack and stroke, it widens your blood vessels so you pump blood more efficiently. It helps kidney damage by reducing inflammation. It helps brain damage after heart attack. It prevents dementia or can help prevent dementia and Alzheimer's. And it helps protect cell structures that weaken over time. So it helps prevent ageing. So um, maybe it's something we'll have to talk about in the clinic uh, a should, lot more. Maybe we should yeah. embrace it more. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. there you go. Why are people so embarrassed about it? I mean... Well, I suppose the embarrassment side is is there, isn't it? It's the smell and it's the sound. But every single person does it. But you know what? You shouldn't have it. You shouldn't, like, yes, you can do it, but they should be they should be um, silent and they shouldn't be smelly right mm. and you shouldn't have things that, that it's not normal to have intense cramping to have the knotted stomach to have the bloating to have like the burping feeling sick the constipation and diarrhoea and they all come with it and you don't need to have that mm. so like, what, what is causing this then? so it, it, it's there's, there's a load of different things right so if you swallow air and you eat or drink if you eat or drink too fast that can that can you're introducing more air into your into your body, which can cause it. Other things like certain foods, anxiety, dental problems like loose loose dentures, they can all cause it. Food intolerance issues that has to be high up there. So like you're talking about things like fizzy drinks, that's that's number one. Beer is number two. Crucifix foods, foods like cauliflower, broccoli, um, eggs, meat, things like that. And one of the ones that I find so high up on the list and. Yes, one of my lads, dairy. Two of my boys, dairy. If they eat dairy, we are literally go away. Get, get out of here for an right. hour or whatever. Because they have issues it, with it, dairy. Immediately, they're, they're intolerant to dairy. They get the bumps in their arms, they get the mucus, they get all of that. But one of the major side effects, and I know it immediately if they've had something something dairy-like, um, is the actual yeah gas wow. side of it. Yeah, And how smelly the gas side of it is but sulfur the cruciferous foods like the ve- the cauliflower the broccoli um, your eggs your meat and onions garlic brussels sprouts things like that they're they're really really bad because it causes that sulfur smell or whatever mm. you know and then other but things but they're like, good for other things though. they are but you know some things are good for other things yes but if they're bad and they're causing intolerance issue or they're causing something like that well then they're not helping your gut okay. you know you're like your gut doesn't like it so you have to figure out you know what it is and then you remove it and like I do that every day like we remove Remove certain foods. Like we, we have to figure out what it is. But dairy goes a lot of the time. These cruciferous foods go a lot of the time. Beans. We talk about beans a lot, mm. and I talk about rice and things like that. You boil beans twice to break down the sugars in them. So if you boil them twice, you're actually that piece of the gassy piece you're getting rid of. So your your gut isn't under as much pressure, but it's or whatever. The, the sugar in the beans. Yes, yeah, but you have okay. to break it way down. Fructose right. is another one, and fructose is like natural sugar in mm. fruit. Again, the same thing. It can cause gas. 
Mm. So you just you have to be aware of where it's coming from. Food ad- additives like um, your preservatives and chemicals, but your artificial sweeteners. And a lot of people who come to me ha- have an artificial sweeteners instead of sugar, thinking it's better. Like you know, mm. say stevia or whatever it is, or you know, even the natural ones. Yes, they can cause they can cause gas. So well, like this lady is on here about her husband. She's looking for tips. Please, <laughs> she said it's heading for divorce if he doesn't get help. He has to figure out where it's coming from. You literally well, we you, know where it's coming from. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and do you know how that actually happens? It's literally. Can I tell you that piece? And we'll go back to we'll go back to the lady. In, lady I'm in sorry, minute. I started this. Yeah. I go on, go on. Tell but me. It, it's literally. It's literally when a lot of gas is pushed out a tiny opening in a short space of time, it vibrates the tissue and the vibration causes sound waves. And it's louder morning and night because that muscle that keeps like the anus shut, that sphincter, relaxed during sleep, it spontaneously relaxes as we waken. So the gas is there overnight. So then you get the loud vibration or louder morning and evening. Okay, so that's where it comes Your from. Mine of information, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's fascinating. She's actually looking at me here. The Stacey looks at me here like and it's 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 like a nice look, but I'm getting a look here of <laughs> total disdain today. I just want to know where is, else you're going to which, go with this, like, is, you know. But that we'll go back to that man and poor right. lady that has has the issue or whatever. It's coming from somewhere. Right. So it's coming from either his diet something he's doing like if he if he has it more than 20 to 30 times a day and if there's additional symptoms with it so like if he's changed his diet and watched the foods and he's chewing slower and and you have to drink plenty because drinking plenty moves it through your system and if there's a constipation piece there it'll actually loosen the stool so you it'll make it easier and it'll lessen it but if there's things there like um, an inconsistent stool a change in your bowel movements um, weight loss that you haven't thought about really bad abdominal pain that kind of presents more like a heart attack those things shouldn't be with it but if he just is constantly farting as he's going around it's coming from something I would say that he's eaten so he has to go back so if there's dairy in his diet remove that number one Straight away, I'd remove that. You, you'd fizzy try drinks. that first. Oh, would you? I would, yeah. That okay. fizzy drinks, the sulfur stuff. But the dairy for me is it always seems to come in very high up. The other thing is rich food. So, like again, it's if you have a bad diet, your body is shouting literally from from the bottom to the top, literally to say okay. there's something wrong. And when Stop. you speak about rich food, well, what are you talking about exactly? Cakes, buns. Like it can be anything, you know. It can be like, you, you know, your big dinners, stuff like that. Like you know, what we're going to be having over Christmas, right. all the wrong things. Jimmy says a lot of hot air on the show this morning, from Badoomts. <laughs> thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, mm. but the other things you can do, like you have foods that can make you like less smelly. So even if you're still going to do it, like you can add in things like definitely peppermint tea and herbal teas work. Apple cider vinegar works, and I always yes. talk about that for so many other things. You see the face here; he's like a bold I, child. I, no, he's just, literally I, like a bold child. I, 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 anybody who tells me that. <laughs> like apple cider vinegar. I just don't believe it. If I was going to talk about wine and Red Bulls and chocolate and whatever, the whole tone would change. Throw throw the dirt. It's all the nice stuff. Do you know what you can actually add in? Um, Activated charcoal is brilliant for digestive issues. What is that? So it's, it's literally like a herb and you take it 60 to 90 minutes before you eat on an empty stomach. That really helps leave bloating and tummy issues and gas and bloating and that. As I'm talking about it now, I'm actually going to buy that for my own crew at home. Probiotic rich foods, that's another one. And then things like fennel seeds, they aid digestion, ginger, things like that we use for anti-inflammatory, that kind of thing. They definitely work. So you're taking out all the rubbish. Take out the bad stuff and add in the good stuff and it should definitely. But I bet you're getting plenty of people messaging yeah, because... But, um, but funny enough, all we're largely getting are people having great fun at our expense, particularly at my expense. 
Spence being embarrassed about having this conversation. Well, something. like, do you never do it? Not, not at all. Everybody does. Not, not like, I bet if we asked them like and asked Os- everyone. Oscar Wilde, uh, exceptions are made in my case, yeah. you know. Well, they say 15 to 20 times a day. Do you think? But, like, a lot of people would say, no, I don't do it, I do it in the bathroom and I do it, whatever. You can't help but do it, like. Whenever. Do you think? Yeah. Silent ones are the smelliest. Thank you, we're getting some really, really uh, <laughs> stuff. It, it's, am- it's amazing that people are... They, they either make fun of this or they don't talk about it at all. Yeah, and some people just... I, I know one person particular in my world, you don't talk about this, you don't talk about poo, you don't talk about any of the bodily habits well, at all. Well, that'd be me. Gets so embarrassed, and he's a man yeah. as well, but he gets so embarrassed. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't. Deal. And the you're only, on radio, like, that doesn't person, make sense. Like The that's... only time I talk about this is on radio with you. Like, I would never speak about this off the radio. <laughs> if you saw his face, this is real funny. <laughs> I would never. I mean, is it necessary to but have conversations? it's part of around? everybody's world. Like, say, the poor lady that came in. She danced around the dance floor. She was mortified until she sat down. Like, yeah. her face was... I was wondering pierced. who that was, in fact. Yeah, I'm not going to tell. <laughs> but, like, you are actually mortified. I, it, it's like going to the bathroom and you leave the smell behind in the bathroom. You walk out. How do you get rid of it if somebody's coming in after you? Like, if there's things that we do within our body that leaves us mortified and humiliated. And we can actually lessen it or nullify it. We're, we're getting to the final points of this now. A listener is on about the difference between when you drink Guinness and when you drink Heineken and what's... The oh, so they know the difference. That'll just tell you. I like that person now because they're in tune with their body. That's really good. So if you actually know what's creating Guinness it is far worse than Heineken. There you are, yeah. Because Guinness is heavier. Right. You know, and if okay. this, yeah. Yeah, it's the noise more than the smell. It's driving me nuts. Oh, this, this is the wife again. It's so so annoying. She no, says. the noise is fine. I don't mind the noise at all. Like, as what said, do you mean all, you don't mind? I don't. Well, all the boys, my, I'm used, so used to that. Then, and, and my youngest fella finds it so funny. If he can't do it one way, he'll try and do it with his arm, or he'll try and do it somewhere because he he drives everybody insane with it. But it's the smell that clears a room. That's literally. Or if you're out, or if you're in a car, I'm sure every single parent that's listening yeah. that has kids going to matches are coming home for matches, that this happens literally once a week. It has to, you know. But for our mm. generation, um, Fran, our generation, so this is to help you with you, thank your, you, your you issue, okay? Much, yes. Walking definitely helps. Does Walk it? faster. It stimulates your digestive system. So, yeah, see, that's wants, why the dancing. Somebody wants to hear Mary Gordon and Joe... Uh, Joe Noble discussed this <laughs> on the show, predicting where the social dancing is concerned. You see, you had to go and mention the social dancing, Didn't which, I? Didn't which means I? I'm going to get accosted about this. Yeah, but sure, do you ever notice it, Fran? Are oh, you allowed to say? Oh, that's, oh, that is just plain <laughs> bad now. Well, I'm just because what I told you off air It's now. a question. It's a question. It's like, you know. I notice so like, it from time to time. Yes, there yes. you are. And it's an age profile, you know. So like, you it's, 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 I will it's, never tell you anything uh, off air again. But I didn't. Like, it's an age profile. But listen, you can do a stomach Your massage. Your mascara is running so now, you know that. But. <laughs> but I'm still going to be laughing for the evening. But listen, you can do a DIY stomach massage. What? A DIY stomach massage. At social dancing. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to do it for somebody else. But, uh, no, you can do it yourself. So lie okay. flat on your back. Okay? okay. Start at your right groin and you literally just massage up along your, the right side of your ribcage, across the top of your stomach and down the left side. You just see the face. <laughs> and it actually relieves air. It does relieves it? gas. It does. It actually oh. does. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll bet it does. It could be misconstrued, I yeah. would imagine, but but in the privacy of your own in home. Privacy I, of your own home. Now, the other thing is, you know, um, heartburn, indigestion, stomach acid leaks leaks up into the esophagus, and it can cause sharp sharp chest pain, uh, etc. Um, sometimes, yes, gas can uh, present like chest pain, like heart attacks, etc. So, and people do get it. So, yes, we've laughed at the good of this and whatever, but it can be a serious issue, Fran. Mm. So, I suppose for people that are listening, you have to distinguish between the two: um, heartburn and indigestion, the pain that you get can be really severe okay so to know the difference between that and having a heart attack if you feel it is something serious you do need to go about it but like if you do have the gas and the indigestion and the acid reflux it's coming from some fire that's happening within your gut and that fire is coming from something you're doing so it's either stress related it's either food related there's something happening it could be medication it could be whatever and when you identify that what that is yes then you know the difference and you you need to know the difference you don't need to have that acid reflux. So somebody looking for tips on relieving bloating then. So as you say, go through the food. Go through the foods number one. Yeah, that has to be your number one. You have to drink more water. You have to eat whole foods. Okay, so even eating whole foods like um, high fibre. So high fibre is in fruit and high fibre is in in, in like porridge and brown breads and stuff. That could actually cause the bloating. So for me, write it down. Put a notepad or an envelope on your worktop and write down your foods. And when it's happening more frequently, like within 10 to 15 minutes of eating, then you know that that's where the bloating is coming from. So it's coming from somewhere. Right, very interesting. Everybody wants to know, what did you tell the woman who was social dancing and had issues? No, you see, we were laughing at the good of it because we were four weeks, or no, we're longer. We're actually, she's with me 10 to 12 weeks now. So she was actually telling me that she didn't, she couldn't say it when she came in in the beginning, but that issue was gone. Because I was saying to her like, give me like a list of everything that has changed like your energy levels and all the different bits and pieces and then she started laughing at this one and she said I can tell you this piece now she said this used to like really I was mortified but now I can dance and I don't have that that issue at all so isn't that interesting somebody else now well I'm in Cashel on Saturday night in Holland of Fela and if she wants to come up and have a chat with me um this is, this and, and the tip, the tip awards you're on, aren't you? And, oh yes, um, on the business award. Yeah, yeah, oh, there'd yeah. Be no, there'd yeah, be none of this at the business. Just that would never happen. To anyone that's in that room. <laughs> oh, they're all dressed up. And yes, 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 and yes, yes. That. What's that for a coat and what's that saying? No knickers. Yes, is it, yeah. I think. Uh, if people want to talk to you, how can they do that, Muriel? Yes. So for the bloating issues, more than anything. Okay. Mm. Um, 0526148881 or com. I've ruined our whole image now, haven't I? Know, I have I aesthetics that. and beauty and... Yes, I know. One fell swoop, all I, gone. I, I'm just dreading what you're going to come in to me with next week. Have you? No idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> all right, Muriel, great to see you as always. Thanks very much Thanks, indeed. Uh, 25 past 11 right now. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Did I say Saturday night? Of course it's Friday night in Holland of Fela and thanks to one of our listeners who reminded me uh, about that. Yeah, uh, Friday night, Holland of Fela, myself and Muriel will be there, of course, a fundraiser for the lovely hall there in Cashel. Uh, All right then, it is time to do this. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Tip FM's Match 3 game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum's.ie James is on the phone. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Frank. Good to talk to you. Whereabouts are you, James? 
Tip Town. Very good indeed. You're going to have a go at our match uh, three. You know the score at this stage that you have to uh, pick uh, boxes between one and 90. And if you pick a box and it's gone, we'll give you another shot at it at that point. Is that okay with you? Perfect, yeah. All right, James. So box number one, please. Uh, 89. 89. Let's uh, have a look in box 89. We'll see what the story is. Box 89, James, is a Lavazza Desi uh, coffee machine. It's valued at €230 Euro or so, so it's a, it's a nice one indeed. Um, second box, James? Number one. Number one. Let us open box number one and we'll see what the story is. Now, would you believe it is uh, also a coffee machine, but it's a different coffee machine. It's a Dolce Gusto one, and it's valued at just under uh, €70. So I'm afraid I have to disappoint you, James. (laughs) I didn't know because I got distracted last night when the 89 came out, and I thought it was the same as the other one. Oh, look, I'm so sorry. I hope you play again. (laughs) But would you you pick a third one for me, James? I guess another number. I might help somebody else. Yeah, would you do that for me? Pick another Uh, number. 36. 36. Let us open box number 36 and we'll see what the story is uh, with that. And it's a George Foreman Immersa grill and that's valued at about €120 or so. So, James, thanks for being a good sport. You'll play again, James, I hope. Of course I will, yeah. Thanks very much. All right. Look after yourself, James. My best to everybody in Tipperary Town as well. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Unwrap an early Christmas present from Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Stakelum's Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurles. Shop online at stakelum.ie. Match 3, win the prize. Tip FM. And of course you can play match three five times a day here on uh, Tip FM and Stephen will give you a shot at it during uh, the lunchtime show and of course Owen in the afternoon and Carol in the evening as well. Now we've been discussing uh, the Dear Phil letter, particularly the one uh, about the issue where um, the bride had her sister uh, being proposed to at her uh, wedding and uh, Eddie joins me now. Good morning to Eddie. And uh, when you heard this story, it sort of resonated with you in some way. Would you tell me your story and your proposal? Oh, yeah. Uh, way back, about nearly 20 years ago, uh, my daughter got married in uh, Scarborough. Mm-hmm. And myself and my then partner went over. We've been together about 10 years. We had a great day. Everybody had enjoyed themselves. Came to the father speech. And I just said, I have one more thing to say. And I went down on one knee. Asked my Marie would she marry me, and the whole place erupted. And I asked my daughter after that, did it take the lime right away from her? She says, not at all. We all had a great time. She had no problem and with that whatsoever, Eddie. Not, no. Not whatsoever. If anybody has any doubts about asking anybody, whatever, go for it. Life is too short. Very good indeed. And you didn't tell your daughter beforehand that you were going to do this? No, no. I met my ex wife in the lobby, and she told me to go. I should marry this woman. So it's out, out of the blue that I just came after the speech. And Very I went good. ahead and did it. And, and, and obviously she accepted. Oh, yes. 28 years later, we're still together. Well, and, and I'm delighted here. How amicable is that, that your ex-wife said, to you, this is a good woman, go go for it and stuff? That's, that... Well, 
they both get on great with one another. Isn't that so fantastic? Isn't that isn't it? Isn't that the way life should be? And, uh, and that's, that's the way it should be. Fun, yeah. And what do you make of the people, Eddie, who are saying, "Oh, you know, this the sister stole the limelight," and Phil, no, no, no. Phil said she was. It. Uh, an almighty bitch, I think, is what she called her at the time. Oh, my God. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. no, don't, don't worry about these people. They get over it. Right, right. No harm as and far as you're concerned. No harm, no harm at all. Um, would you believe we had a we're the last couple to have a wedding reception at the Clamwell Arms back in 2005. Are you serious? Um, oh, I'm, my I'm God. delighted that we're going to something we not to know. Ah, it's great, isn't it? There were some fantastic yeah. occasions in, in the old Clonmel Arms. Oh, it's, a, it's a great, a great hotel. Yeah. Massive bar. Loved it. Yeah, I have lovely memories of it uh, as well. Eddie, I'm delighted that things are going well for you and lovely to talk to you today. Thank you so oh, much. Great plan. Thanks. 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 Bye right, bye to now. Bye bye to you. That's uh, Eddie speaking to us uh, today. Now, for this week's uh, Down Your Way, Eamon O'Dwyer visits the Surehaven Cancer Group. Um, at the Anna Hotel in Thurles. He began by talking to Eileen Kennedy, who's a councillor in Shorehaven and secretary of North Tipperary Hospice, uh, about these services that they uh, provide. There's nobody aiming out there in the community or any of us that haven't experienced a journey with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the services are very important. Uh, when a person gets a cancer diagnosis, fear hits in straight away. And while the medical people are wonderful at doing the treatments and everything but they actually to turn around and say to the person who's going to support you and your fear and your family so that's what we do we provide that extra cushion or that support for for um, all the, the clients themselves and they come in and they can get information from our director of services or they can get um, they can get uh, therapies counselling and reflexology and they then join wonderful groups uh, we have our wellness group and Anna will go into that in more details but at the moment, um, we have two centres in Souvenus and Nina, who are doing the same work, and Surehaven in Torlis, and we're about to set up in Ross Grey. And the big news is that it's the people of North Tipperary that fund the whole project. It's uh, all voluntary funding, that, and it takes, it takes over 400,000 a year to run the organisation. And at the moment, we are actually paying 18% of the nursing budget for North Tipperary, through Milford Hospice and we are paying for all the equipment if a person wants to die at home with dignity. So that's the role of North Tipperary Hospice and the centres though are vital because um, people are really taken with the fear side of things and to be alone and particularly myself from a, the counselling point of view it's actually lovely to give the person a place where they can come in and something nice to be done to them and actually feel what that's going to be like and that journey if it leads to death it's lovely to know you have people supporting you, loving you in kindness and, and um, compassion. Like most people that go through that phase in their life and indeed f- f- finishing up with debt, they all fall back on hospice and they say, look, at, they were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, there's 26 hospices in the country and up to now uh, they have all been run from donations from the public and now the government are starting to they put the cancer strategy separate. The NCCP are, are organising activities for the cancer, uh, cancer aspect of the organisation. But we still fall back on the people of the ground to support us. So Stephen Donnelly, in fairness, has made a huge move to uh, start uh, funding the hospices through Section 38 of the HSC. But that will give us more uh, co- scope on the ground to open the centre in Ross Grey and develop but, uh, yeah. but the biggest scope on the ground, of course, is from the general public. Absolutely. I, I cannot thank the people of North Tipperary and South Tipperary enough for every year we have that, four, from the 1st of January, that 400,000 looms, and by the 31st of December, 
that for over that 400,000 is met and that's all thanks to the people in North Tipperary and South Tipperary. It's absolutely fantastic that the willpower people have year after year. Absolutely and, and I have to thank, I cannot thank enough the volunteers. Our organisation is very volunteer led. Um, all our centres are run by volunteers. All our fundraising is, is uh, done by volunteers. But I think most families at this stage will have been affected by cancer. So they want to give back to us. They want to say thanks. And the way they say thanks is going off. There's all kinds of fundraisers, parachute jumps and all kinds of... We had a camper van and all kinds of things. And we have had great fun as well. That's the other aspect of it, even though the issue is very sad and very, very hard. We do still need to have that fun as well. So what happens the 400,000? The 400,000, uh, 130,000 of it is earmarked for Mil- We give that to Milford Hospice so that they can provide the nurses for North Tipperary. We fund all the equipment in, in that people who want to die at home with their family around them. And we support that by providing all the equipment they need to make that comfortable journey. And then the rest of it goes on the cancer care centres in Shorehaven, Souvenus and Ross Gray now as well. Yeah. Yeah, and like even the cost of even a simple thing, just the bed, it can oh, be hugely incredible. Uh, just before COVID, I think the 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 equipment bill was one hundred and fifty thousand for the year. So it, it's again and again, it's back to um, fundraising. And and even during COVID, it was amazing. All the GA, all the actually all the sporting groups jumped into life because they were still training a bit during COVID, but they started doing all kinds of shave dives and dives and all kinds of hurling events and we collected there must have been 100,000 come in from, from, from groups like that Tell us about the counselling side of it Yes indeed Well, I was on with Fran there when we had our Beaulieu's coffee morning in September and then we discussed this and Fran said what is it and I said it's actually a privilege and a blessing to be able to sit with somebody who is so full of fear and the families they're so full of fear but what happens is the patient is trying to mind the family the family is trying to mind the patient and there's no place actually for both of them to come and say I'm actually afraid and this is very fearful so it's it's a it's a privilege to be able to sit with somebody and the the sad thing is that since we've come back from COVID now the other wonderful thing was we managed to keep the service going right through COVID and virtual we all became very computer savvy and phone savvy so uh, we we really an anacor coordinated and 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 Lisa and Nina coordinated all that for us but that contact is vital that human connection that's what our that's what hospice is about Eamon human connection and reaching out and helping well there's a wonderful human being for you that's Eileen Kennedy there a counsellor at your haven uh, speaking to her own Eamon O'Dwyer and that's just a little taste of this week's Down Your Way you can catch it every single Saturday morning of course from 10 lovely to hear from my old friend Pat Sheehy of the Round Hill Bar Carrigatoher Kag- uh, Nina it's on the old uh, Nina Road there out of uh, Limerick um, and uh, he's just telling me live music there Saturday night with uh, Colm Anger and on Sunday night with the great Peter Burke. So two great accordion players there. Saturday night, as I say, with the Column Anger and Sunday night with uh, Peter Burke. So you'll have great opportunity to dance at that point. We'll take, uh, we'll take a break and then we have farming. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie I trust my kids. 
time for farming and glad to be joined as usual by Katrina Morrissey, who is Deputy News Editor with the Farmers Journal. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you again today. New TB rules, Katrina, could restrict the cattle trade. Yeah, that's right. So the Department of Agriculture's scientific working group on bovine TB um, has proposed new TB control measures which would potentially curtail the buying and selling of cattle in different parts of the country. Um, So what they're proposing is that TB um, regions would be formed, I suppose, that cattle herds and regions of the country would be classified by their TB risk. And then um, what you would do is impose restrictions on animals moving from high-risk TB areas into low-risk TB areas. The ultimate aim being to lessen the spread of TB. Um, But from, I suppose, from the the trade point of view, obviously that is a restriction on trade which we don't have at the moment and uh, is likely to cause a lot of debate. And where where is this coming from, Katrina? Fran, you know, our, our inability really to get on top of TB. Um, there's a TB eradication program in place for years at this stage, but yet our incidence of TB is rising in more recent years. Yes. Um, it's, it's at a level, um, but it, we can't seem to push down below that level. And there are lots of reasons for that, I suppose. Um, it's, you know, then there's also the argument if you really go um, for the the toughest, most stringent lockdown procedures. Um, could you eradicate it? And, you know, COVID has mm. shown us that sometimes that is possible, but it's also shown us that as soon as you ease those restrictions, does a disease spring back again? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's an awful um, affliction for a farmer to have his, herd, his or her herd lost to TB. It's a necessary thing, you know, the the, um, the clearing out of herds that do have TB because it's not a disease yeah. that we want in the country. The aim is eradication um, and the level of measures that are involved are always up for debate. It's very interesting. What about that ban that's on cattle and sheep uh, being imported onto the island, uh, Katrina? What, what's behind that? Yeah, so this is very interesting and potentially a, a big threat to Ireland, hopefully a one that's easing. So blue tongue is um, a disease of, of cattle. It is, has been moving across Europe in recent months, a particular strain of blue tongue, BTV3. And the problem with this one is there is no vaccine for BTV3. Um, we've seen cases in um, uh, Belgium, we've seen cases in the Netherlands, and last weekend we had the first case confirmed in England, in Kent, um, it's spread by midges um, and they've moved from continental Europe. They move on the breeze and they've reached southeast England, obviously. And as a result, the immediate, that, that confirmation of the case in Kent triggered an immediate ban on any animals, uh, live animals, moving from um, the landmass of Britain to the island of Ireland because both the Northern Irish authorities and the Republic of Ireland agricultural authorities immediately, immediately impose a temporary suspension of any movement of live animals, so that's cattle and sheep, and also things like... Um, Uh, semen, uh, embryos, ova, Mm. anything like that, because that increased the risk of the spread. It's a notifiable disease. Uh, The cow in question was humanely destroyed, and there is a 10-kilometre restriction zone in place around that farm in England. I suppose, Fran, the the upside of this is that we're in mid-November now. Mm. It's going to get colder. These midges are kind of a warm weather. They're an autumn risk as such. Um, So we will be hoping very strongly that this um, case in Kent will will remain an isolated case. 
and then subsequently that there won't be any follow-on cases in either England or Ireland because that's not a disease that anybody wants in the country. It has huge trade restrictions for Ireland as an exporting yeah. nation. Um, it would have potentially very big implications if we did have it here. And with the climate warming, uh, Katrina, should we expect more instances of this? And, and, it's, and it's similar, similar conditions, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, the movement of diseases and pests is one of the, high, you know, one of the main risks of climate change because, mm. obviously, we, we talk about the weather implications all the time, but, but exactly as you say, with warmer temperatures will come uh, the, the crops, mm. the pests that affect crops and animals in warmer countries now will eventually find, actually, Ireland is, is an okay place to live as well. So there is a risk, absolutely, with climate change. Uh, re-wetting, uh, making it back into the nature restoration law. I, I thought that we had come to some conclusions on this, Katrina. Uh, so this is Europe, I suppose, in general. There are lots of conclusions drawn all the time because you have you know, the three elements of, of the European uh, mechanism. You have the, the parliamentarians, you have the, um, the commission, uh, you have the ministers. So the latest... Um, development, I suppose, is that the re-wetting which the European Parliament had uh, voted to delete from the law um, is now back in and uh, it means that it will oblige, so the, the latest text I suppose, and these are the trilogue negotiations so that's between the three entities in Europe mm. the Council of Ministers um, the European Commission which I kind of term the civil service of, of Brussels and then the MPs who we elect um, and the latest text, I suppose, coming out of that is that Ireland and all other member states will be required to restore 30% of drained peatlands under agricultural use by 2030, rising to 50% by 2050. Um, for a farmer who is farming drained peatlands, that is a very, very big um, change compared to what we had earlier on. I listened to a debate this morning there between um, the TD Michael Fitzmaurice and the Green Party um, MEP Grace O'Sullivan. And mm. It's a very heated issue. Um, and sometimes I think, Fran, the nuance is lost between bog restoration and agricultural peatlands. Yes. Yes. And they're two very different things. Um, and often there's and there's great work restoring bogs and you know there's, there's various places. Mm. One of the what was mentioned this morning was Abbey Leaks, um, but that is different to the the private farmland um, that is mm. owned by a farmer and you know they they naturally get very worried when there's talk of changes to what they would be allowed to do on the farm, changes to the water table. And again, often a lot of confusion there. Rewetting. Some people say, oh, it's not flooding, so it's okay. But yes, if you raise the water table of any piece of land, it's going to have implications for either the crops or the animals that can be put on that land, the duration they can be put on the land during the year, etc. It's a really nuanced... Um, Let's say it is. And is there debate. still... I, I, my understanding was there was a flexibility to this. Is there still a flexibility to it, Katrina? There is a flexibility spoken of, yes. And there's also funding spoken of. And this yes. is where all of these things need to be nailed down. You know, what is the flexibility? What is the funding? Because at the minute there isn't any attached um, specific fund for this nature restoration law. The thinking is that it will come from the Common Agricultural Policy Fund, which of course we know has been there to subsidise cheap food. Um, is it now to be divided into two separate aims, obviously diluting the amount of money that's available for both aims? Uh, there's an awful lot still to be decided here, I think. Um, the nitrates derogation as well, so no possibility of amendment here whatsoever. 
That's right. I mean, talk about mixed messages. We get uh, every week a, a different um, yeah. take on the nitrate derogation. So the IFA met with the commissioner last week, met on Wednesday last week, and he told them uh, in that meeting that there was no no chance of changing from the move from 250 kilos of organic nitrogen per hectare to 220 from the 1st of January. We had obviously heard from the MEP, um, Colin Markey, that there might be flexibility around the date that that would be introduced Mm. um, because 1st of January is obviously looming. Um, The Commissioner is in Ireland this uh, within the next week. He is going to be here next Thursday, as far as we know. Uh, He's going to meet agriculture um, officials, he's going to meet the Taoiseach, we understand, and he's going to meet Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell. Whether he will come with some concessions to that meeting uh, remains to be seen. But a lot of mixed messages on the nitrate derogation, and none of it making it any easier for farmers who may have to take action as regards their cow numbers from the 1st of January. Just finally, Katrina, can I talk to you about the Taoiseach? Because is he backing farming on on the uh, climate uh, targets? It was a huge conference in Dublin. Um, it was the Agriculture and Climate Change Science in Action Conference, first ever. Um, and the Taoiseach addressed that at the start, pre-recorded address. And, and he kind of, I suppose, gave confidence to, expressed his confidence in agriculture's ability to meet our 25% target. And indeed, agriculture is one of the only sectors where there is headway being made to meet the, the 2030 targets. 25%, as you know, is the reduction in agricultural emissions that's required by us since we passed our climate law. And he says he doesn't, um, he says the scale of the challenge for Irish farming and agriculture is significant. He doesn't underestimate what it's asking of the sector. However, he said, I know that farmers and those working in the sector can and will rise to this challenge. Mm. Interestingly, Frank, one of the points that was made at the conference yesterday was that farmers are very keen to um, take on some of the measures that will reduce emissions, one of those being to um, change the type of fertiliser that they're using and switch from nitrogen to a product called protected urea. And despite farmers being willing to do that, the supply of protected urea has been a nightmare. Um, that where a farmer wants to go into the Tierlawn store or the Dairy Gold store to buy protected urea, it's often not available. So that was something that Mary Donnelly, who's head of the Climate Change Advisory Council, yesterday pointed out. You know, it's almost an own goal to, to have farmers willing to make the change and then not be able to um, facilitate it. Well, it sounds illogical, that's uh, for sure. Katrina, always good to talk to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Good morning to you. That's uh, Katrina Morrissey there, Deputy News Editor for the Farmers Journal. And, of course, Katrina lives in Tipperary. That's it uh, for me. Uh, Emma produced Ali looks after her content Stephen on the way with uh, the lunchtime show the time tunnel of course part of that and he will play match three as well I'll talk to you tomorrow look after yourselves won't you bye bye Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage puck on you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie